0: This is Levi Bates. This is Rich Bokini. This is Steve Young. Teddy Stigma, the world's worst role model.
1: E-F-F-Y-F-E.
0: This is Holiday. This is El Serpentigo. The princess of pro wrestling, SoCal Val.
1: And we are the Ugly Ducklings.
2: And you are listening to
1: the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, the whole breakfast
3: show. <laughs>
4: It's the 100th episode of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle The Whole Reffin Show Featuring the world's first role model, Teddy Stigma Fest Wrestling Champion The Golden Boy of grab Ass, Effie The voice of MLW and Fest Wrestling, Rich Bokini And many more And now Here are your hosts, Perry Smith and Darren
2: Beasley. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness gracious, it's the 100th episode. 100 episodes of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, the whole reference show. And I'd like to welcome you to this very special show. I am Darren Beasley. I am Perry Smith. And we are stoked, dear listeners, to have each and every one of you along for this journey. Uh, Not only the journey of this episode, but I'd like to know, what has been your journey? What if we knew everyone's journey through the whole reference Show, through the, the long history now, 100 episodes? Triple digits, three digits.
4: That's right, three digits. For forty years, the whole and show has been coming to you live, uh, in a in a pre-recorded kind of way. Uh, yeah, Darren and I, Darren and I are sitting here with our tuxedos on, our party hats on our heads. Uh, the champagne is cooling right now. It's in the crisper.
2: Is that? Is that what you do with champagne? You put it. I don't know if you put it in the crisper because that's where you keep where your you lettuce.
4: Keep, and that's where you supposed to keep your vegetables, but no one actually puts the vegetables in there. They just leave leave it empty. Well, and somehow you find dead fly carcasses in there. We shouldn't talk about that. Uh, I, I used to live in a flop house. Apparently, <laughs> um, <laughs> used to. <laughs> Whoa, Whoa. Uh So yes, ladies and gentlemen, hashtag dear listeners. We really appreciate you. Dropping by for the 100th. It's a big deal to both Darren and I,
2: and uh, we're very glad to have you here. We are really incredibly excited to have you all here. Um, I think—I don't think the champagne's in the crisper, though. I definitely think it's on ice. Right. Um, I, think I, I, think, I, I should have said that, yeah. Yeah, I, I think Hank Williams Jr. maybe said that uh, we got the pig in the ground. We got the champagne on ice and all our dear listeners are coming over tonight <laughs> that means you dear listeners thank you for coming to episode 100 this actually in by anyone's estimation has to be a stacked card this is gonna put butts in seats absolutely they said we'd never get past the
4: tenth episode Darren who said that they a fool uh, lots of fools uh. Uh, There's th- a bunch of fools. That, that, that's, what, that's what a fool believes. Uh, so here we are at 100. Not only did we do 10, we did 10 10 times. We did 10 hundred. We did 10 hundred thousand episodes, folks.
2: One day we'll be able to say that. Oh what? God,
4: I, I hope we... I, I sincerely hope we are never, never able to say that we did 10 hundred thousand episodes. 10 hundred episodes. thousand. That sounds like... What
2: is 10 hundred thousand? That's like... That's a lot. That's a
4: million? That's purgatory for me. Yeah, yeah. Yes!
2: That's a million!
4: I gotta talk... Oh,
2: God. I'm probably not gonna get there. I'm talking
4: about Randy Orton fighting someone uh, all these years down the road. Uh, You
2: know, you really might. Everybody else will be dead, but we will still be talking about Randy Orton. We shall endure. Randy Orton's spirit shall endure. Yeah, I was... uh, Spoiler alert for the Hell in a Cell results. Uh, Randy Orton... Looking like a million bucks. We commented on that while we watched the show. The guy does not age, so good for him. This is true. This is very, very true. But we're not looking toward the future at this moment.
4: It's the present. It's the 100th episode. We're going to look at the past. That's right. We're going to talk about some of our favorite uh, moments, favorite episodes from the last 100. I guess for the from the lower 99, I should say. Uh, we've had some uh, some pretty great guests, a lot of those great guests are actually here on today's episode, so you're going to hear a lot of familiar voices. Familiar voices such as Teddy Stigma, uh, who's on the episode, as well as Effie, best wrestling champion Effie, uh, Rich Bokini, our good friend, stopping by as well, and a few surprises uh, sprinkled throughout, so make sure you stick with
2: us until the end folks, until the end of the line. Yes, that would be very Jerry Rafferty of you, and uh we uh hope that all of you uh feel that way. Feel that way uh we know that you wouldn't be here if you didn't feel that way.
4: That's right. And now I, uh, now Jerry Rafferty was talking about uh right down the line. You you might be thinking of the traveling Wilburys, whose song uh, is end of the line. That's true. Oh, Darren Beasley, I knew one day I'd vanquish you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
5: it only
2: took a hundred
4: episodes Oh no, there's been some vanquishing along the way A lot of our dear listeners know that Bo Show Has there been uh, a lot of vanquishing Hashtag vanquishing
2: <laughs> You know, speaking of hashtags Hashtags have been a good friend of the whole reference show uh, Hashtags have brought a lot of hashtag dear listeners To hashtag the whole reference show Uh, Instagram has been a good friend of the whole reference show. Um, (laughs) Twitter? Not so much. Uh, A a casual acquaintance, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Instagram, though, which of course allows for not as many characters as you would like, but far more than Twitter. And that has allowed us to put our brand out there, if you will. Um, With hashtags like, (laughs) if wrestling were real... Hashtag uh, Wrestling Logic. Mm-hmm. Hashtag Mean Mad man. Mm-hmm. Hashtag Who Booked This Shit. <laughs> For quite a few weeks now, Hashtag Declaration of the Rights of the Wrestling Fan, mm-hmm. which of course uh, was our response to Paul Lazenby and Don Callis. And, uh, you know, hashtags have, have done us a lot to attract new listeners. Who would become hashtag dear listeners? That's right. And uh hashtag friends of the show and uh it's it's really great. I remember when hashtags first crossed my path uh all those years ago and I thought, What poppycock? Oh yeah. What hogwash? Oh yeah.
4: And, and what 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 fiddle faddle. Yeah, no no one no one likes uh <laughs> I I don't wanna say new things, but like like new I don't know, hashtags seem like they were forced upon us. Uh, they but, were, though. yeah, yeah. Well, I guess they were. So, yeah, I mean, social media also, like Twitter. What's I mean, even that? Was like, what's Twitter? And Even now, I'm kind of like, what's Twitter? Um, <laughs> because we, we, uh, you know, no trouble there. Anywho, uh, Instagram no, though, pretty pictures. Who can deny pretty pictures? Absolutely no, and they're definitely. Twitter definitely has its highlights. Uh, random interactions with uh, fans. Uh, random interactions with uh, wrestlers. Um, it, it, it's always cool. Um, but no, we, we've had a lot of uh, a lot of fun, fun hashtags. Hashtag dear listeners, you guys know about those. Um, so yeah, we, we've we've said some pretty dumb shit on the show. Uh, <laughs> there, there's been sure. a lot of stuff.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I think we've overstepped our bounds a few times. Nah. Um I mean, I'll just. Def- I mean. Phew. I will proudly defend our right to do so. Oh, absolutely. But uh, I, I, will, I will not be so proud as to say we've always been right. Uh, I think we've, we've maybe uh, dropped some unnecessary insults. Uh, you know, there, there, there's been some individuals who have uh, not always been treated so kindly by the whole reference show. And uh, I will say this. It's not born of hate. You know, it is born of criticism. <laughs> what have we said about the show from the very beginning? The show was designed. The very nature of this show, the name, the look, the feel, was all designed around the concept that uh, we're the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. That's why in our logo we have the referee shirts. Right. That's why we've always tried to be um, as unbiased as possible. We are very opinionated men. Right. Very strong opinions. And that's where some of that harsh criticism can come from. It's done out of love, and I feel like it's done with fairness. Are you saying no way Jose has merit, Darren? I am saying, oh boy. You you, you, you put... <laughs> i I'm immediately calling you on you, this. You put, it, you put it to me. Um, sure he does. Wow. Wow, I mean, truly I'll, I'll,
4: truly a landmark episode, folks. Forget the 100 part. Darren is saying something positive about No Way Jose. Well, this is this
2: is what I'm saying about No Way Jose. I'm sure his mother loves him. <laughs> that's all you're going to get from me about No Way Jose. Okay, that's that's something. Okay, that's not bad.
4: Of course, uh, back in the day, uh, more so uh, in the in the early times, I should say, for those those of you who have been on board since the beginning, we uh Darren and I would frequent NXT shows, uh, and and that's where kind of the, the, the joke of No Way Jose and Darren not really being a fan of his began. Uh, Steve Cutler. Steve Cutler was also kind of a target. <laughs> oh, man. It's, uh, I'll, I'll bring that up. Um, he, he grew on me, though. He um, I think he just... Has he even gotten on NXT TV yet? Has that happened? I
2: don't know. He's now a part of that group. Uh, it, well, he's with... Um... Wesley Blake, right, and uh, the and the guy formerly known as Gunner, the sons from of Impact, they're the Forgotten Sons, the Forgotten Sons, uh, uh, which <laughs> that, I don't know why. That's a joke oh. right there. That is such a joke right there. Well, you started with you started you thought they were the sons of something because it's a Sons of Anarchy gimmick, right, 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 right. They're like bikers without bikes. Um, which <laughs> they should have been called that bikers without bikes. <laughs> there's our newest. There's our newest. Bwbs in the house, baby. Oh my god. There's our newest hashtag: bikers, bikers without bikes. Without bikes. Oh, uh, but yeah, Steve Cutler. I think he's got a lot of talent. But I, I just remember there being a time when he was brand new to NXT, and we just did not pull any punches regarding his ability or what we perceived at the time to be a lack thereof which which got us into trouble uh when i
4: went to an nxt house show in gainesville and uh the blue meanie was in the audience and i went up to <laughs> i went up to blue meanie and i was like hey blah, blah, blah. and i was like hey so what are you here for and he's like oh uh, there's a guy here that trained with me at the the monster factory uh, Steve Cutler, and I was
2: like, uh-oh, because <laughs> at that time we wanted nothing more, or I at least wanted nothing more than to have the Blue Meanie as a guest on the whole reference show. Right, I actually, I mentioned the podcast to uh, Blue Meanie, I
4: mean, I, that, that's always where you feel like you're selling a car to a wrestler when you mention the podcast. It's rough. And that was also in the early days when I, I didn't really know what protocol was to, you know, ask a wrestler to do your podcast and, and what have you, and... I, I, I did it as respectfully as I could, and, and he seemed somewhat interested. It didn't quite happen. It kind of fell apart, uh, which sucks because it would have been great to have Meany on the show. But I thought, oh, man, if he tunes in to an episode, if he goes back you know, a few episodes, he's going to hit some negative uh, Steve Cutler uh, criticism. Uh, so, uh, ouch. Um, or, you know, having Calval. Uh, is one of our first interviews, and she's like promoting the Fight TV app, which we totally shit on. <laughs> uh, when we reviewed uh, uh, Bound for Glory, is that what it was? Uh, the uh, TNA pay per view, yeah, the Impact pay per view, yeah. Um, which just like oh God every time we say something's horrible like the next week we meet someone who could <laughs> like get us an interview with someone connected to it, and it it's like, was, oh, God, yeah, oh God it
2: was really it funny. was a curse it was like it our was curse a, curse. For a minute. Yeah. It, it, it reminded me of Kevin Smith's movie Dogma when uh, the, <laughs> the Chris Rock character falls out of the sky which of course prompts Jason Muse the character of Jay to say, I wish big titty bitches would fall out of the sky or something like that. <laughs>
5: right.
2: And uh, and it just made me, it always reminded me of that, which is when we realized the curse, which is if we talk bad about someone, the next thing you know, they're going to cross our path. So it was like, right. man, uh, Ric Flair sucks. <laughs> the Rock, what a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, to reverse psychology, to bring bring these opportunities on to us but it's funny that you mentioned the fight tv uh app and the whole SoCalVal thing you know the only reason that we were shitting on it was because we had to utilize it in order to see a tna pay-per-view right and it wasn't working well no it wasn't working well at all but so let's... we pointed out the fact that it didn't work well right yeah yeah and uh, and that was fair because it, it hey, hey we we reviewed a, a product. It totally it was sucked. not a fine product. No, no. Now I recently used it again to watch all in and uh it worked fantastically. <laughs> are we covering our ground no.
4: in case we get someone? No, I'm just saying. In case SoCal wants to come back, we go, well, we said we great
2: things. Hey, hey, uh, the, the, the Fit TV app is a fine product. Were you, you Mickey Mouse? I was. I was. Just in case we had Mickey Mouse on the show. Well, I think SoCal might like to do a show uh, with me and Mickey Mouse. Hey, what, what does that leave me? Uh, well, turned into Mickey Mouse, apparently. Okay, okay. Uh, but huh. you no, know, it wasn't. It wasn't just uh, It wasn't just that. Fight I guess as a testament to how far that app has come. Right. Um. It's it's still not perfect. I don't understand. Neither my smart TV nor my Amazon Fire cover. Right. They neither one of them support that app. So there's a shortcoming.
4: It's it's come along. It's come a long way, and it's not perfect. Is this is this a
2: metaphor for our show, Derek? No, because we have come a long way. Right to perfection. Okay. Uh, Because I think that this is the... It's perfect. This is is the apex. We're absolute perfection. But we were watching that TNA pay-per-view because it was a period early on in the show but not brand new in the show where we started to think that we had to diversify. We started out like the interviews were amazing early on and they were all over the place. They were from... Lifetime, uh, lifelong fans uh, who had who had, had brushes with the business at different levels, like Ed Pitts, uh, former promoters like Jody Peterman, uh, somebody who was on the precipice of his whole career blowing out James Ellsworth. Right. People who had been to all four corners of this business, all four corners of the globe, like So Calval, and yet. Our coverage was w- was limited right at first. It was very very WWE centric. Um, actually, it was really NXT centric because that's what we were. It seemed like we were going to shows constantly. Well, it was the only like new thing we could talk
4: about. Sure, like because like, people unless you were at these house shows. And seeing the, the, this talent, you wouldn't necessarily know what was going on. And those people moved on to the the actual show itself. Some have moved on to WWE. When you go back, you hear names that we say that are now in WWE proper. Though they're on Raw, they're on SmackDown Live. Like you know, Ruby Riot uh, for one. Um, there's many others, of course, and Elias. Um, all kinds of people. Uh, but but it's that that was like the one thing we can kind of like bring in that was. It wasn't necessarily something you would hear on another podcast, so that was nice. I love that. I
2: missed those We Were There
4: segments. Right, right, and we might do some more now that I'm in town for a little while, but I mean, we discussed it from the beginning. We never wanted to be a... So this is what happened on Raw podcast because... God, who gives a fuck? Just watch (laughs) Raw. You know what happened on Raw... So we we tend to just do kind of a recap of what's been going on storyline wise when we do our head to head head to head which we do have that on today's episode we will uh, discuss
2: the results of Hell in the Cell so that that will be business as usual uh, that you would find here on our podcast but I am excited about we were there possibly coming back over the next couple of months uh, which will mean that we will have to have been there and wherever that is hopefully it will be some NXT house shows. Sprinkled throughout Florida, Gainesville, Jacksonville, uh, maybe Ocala, uh, somewhere thereabouts. Uh, that's very exciting. But at that time, to finish my thought from earlier, one of the things we knew we had to do was at least throw a dog a bone, and by that I mean watch a TNA pay per view. <laughs> this is before. This is before uh, Nordholm was sniffing around. This is before. Uh, Hashtag that fucking owl got control and uh, flew Impact Wrestling up north to Canada. Billy Corgan's still so involved in everything. Right. Yeah, Billy yeah, Corgan yeah. was still involved. Dixie Carter was still the matriarch. And uh, the only thing worth watching was Broken Matt Hardy. Yeah, man. And we walked away from that pay-per-view, um, as difficult as it was to watch on the Fight TV app, <laughs> Uh thinking that Broken Matt Hardy was anything and everything. We oh, loved it. And I, it's just been fun to, to kind of glance back at uh, all my stacks of notes and see uh, all the different things that we talked about. I, You know, another thing that um, was really great about some of the earlier episodes was taking a look back at certain old pay-per-views. Um, you know, we would, uh, we would take you back. Take you back. Take you back. To places like Clash of the Champions, uh, Halloween Havoc, um, and various things like that. I, one thing that was really great was I know we picked our favorite Survivor Series teams. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, of all time. Uh, we, could, we did a segment on Breaking the Fourth Wall. Uh, we talked about uh, all the, the ludicrous. Unbelievable things like Arliss and <laughs> How can Arliss exist in the world of wrestling? You know, Arliss, they just put it on HBO Go. Oh, no. I saw the other day on HBO Go. I was flipping through. I was trying to find uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. And uh, there was Arliss' face on my TV stream. And I said, oh, no. Hide your wrestling program. You mean actor Robert Wool? No, I don't. Oh, no, okay. I do not. Okay. I mean Arliss, who exists in the uh, well, for lack of a better term, the uh, WCW universe. He is a thread in the tapestry that is WCW. <laughs> yes, and so is Chucky, and so is Robocop. Oh my God! This uh, what a what a tapestry that is. It's a regular. <laughs> Bayou, it's the Bayou Tapestry if you were on acid. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, Another another one of those uh, Take You Back episodes dealt with December to Dismember. Mm -hmm. One of the most infamous WWE pay-per-views there's ever been, which was the relaunched ECW under WWE's guidance. Uh, It was a show that I actually attended in Augusta, Georgia, with uh, two of our uh, dear listeners, Many, many moons ago, and I will still stand by that show. If you watch an Elimination Chamber match in person, it's awesome. Period. The structure alone is worth the price of admission. And the fact that they crammed that gigantic round cage into the teeny tiny James Brown Arena in Augusta, Georgia... I, the 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 cage is almost as big as the building. Right. It was like a rus It was like Russian nesting dolls.
5: <laughs>
2: oh man, good times. Uh,
4: well, you of course, of course it was it was fun and exciting because you were there. Yeah. Darren Darren, baseball games are fun and exciting when you're there. You watch them on TV and they're boring
2: as hell. No, that's true. I just you know I feel bad. December to Dismember has. It's just been blown out of proportion over the years about who is, how bad it is. Who was the main event? Uh, Bob Holly and
4: Tess, were they involved in the main event? <sighs>
2: yeah, Bob okay. Holly. Yeah, was. no, um, it was a classic, oh, I'm ca- sure. Yeah. It was, well, you know, it was the Big Show's retirement match. Yeah, only that happened. Yeah, it's great. It's good. I liked it a lot. You know, I was we, glad to watch it. We've done a lot of um, coverage of some special events. Uh, like the Cruiserweight Classic. Right, right, right. The first May Young Classic. Uh, we've made sure to
4: cover... Eventually the second May Young Classic.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's coming, it's coming. First we pat ourselves on the back and glorify ourselves, then we get back to business again. We've talked about both of the WWE uh, United Kingdom Championship tournaments. It's true. I remember that first one, I, that first one felt like WrestleMania to me. I was so excited by that first one, and that tournament was so much fun, and uh, it just—it really seemed special. I was, yeah, yeah.
4: And I remember that second one was very forgettable.
2: Oh come on! I remember, I remember that I've already forgotten the second one completely. Wow! Wow, take that. You know, uh, it also reminds me that the night of the first uh, round of the UK Championship tournament, the first round of the first tournament, uh, we actually missed because we were in attendance. At a Ring of Honor taping at Center Stage in Atlanta. Correct. And so it's been really cool that we've had an opportunity to do Ring of Honor in our We Were There segments. Right, right. Also spreading the love throughout independent wrestling. Not to say that ROH is indie wrestling. But, uh, you know, we talked about uh, shows that we've been to, uh, very small show very, very small shows, in what formerly... <laughs> would probably be considered renegade promotions. Uh, They've been so small. Bigger things uh, along the line of some of the earliest places that we were able to see Effie wrestle. You know, Effie came on our radar after seeing a Sunbelt wrestling entertainment show. And uh, he became a friend of the show, uh, Tried and True. And he actually introduced us to Fest wrestling. That's right. And uh, I, I, de- I I, have to remind myself all the time how serendipitous all that really seemed to be. We were at that Sunbelt show to interview James Ellsworth backstage uh, in Tifton, Georgia. And that's where we first saw Effie wrestle. And I knew there was something special about that guy. He tells us about this promotion that he had just been Hooked up with just a couple months prior in Gainesville, Florida, known as Fest Wrestling. And then we found ourselves in Hogtown at the first fest show we attended, Pickle in the Tree. Now, unbeknownst to us, they'd had to relocate to an outdoor venue, which was not their typical venue. As a Vegan restaurant, yes. It was. It was a vegan Curia restaurant. Curia on the drag, yes. Curia on the drag. Music to my ears. <laughs> the Fest Wrestling, according yes. to Darren
0: Beasley. Curia on the
2: drag. Curia on the drag. Uh, Hashtag man. back to Curia. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> well, it's because there's no recapturing the magic of that night. That was the first time we ever saw tech... The first time we ever saw Awaken. Right. We saw the uh, it's the first night we saw Teddy Stigma. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and a lot of stuff came out of that show. Teddy Stigma took our word. He, he uh, without our permission. Uh, oh, to- hear, totally just stole it. Totally, yeah, yeah, without yeah. our permission, just lifted our audio and put it on his sizzle reel. And so, oh, there it is. Oh, look at that. There's my voice all over this dude's wrestling sizzle reel. On YouTube,
4: right? Because we decided to uh, to do a review for the Fest Wrestling show, uh, which is totally your idea, by the way. Even going to Fest Wrestling was your idea. It was kind of like nah, I don't Stone Cold Steve Austin won't be there, so I don't want to go. <laughs> uh, in so many words, but anyway, um, obviously we went, enjoyed the show, did a review. Because um, again, it, it's always nice to talk about something that like other people aren't going to be talking about on their shows, um, just to bring some uh, variety. Um, and well, yet, of course and we we've,
2: we've
4: we've been supporting that
2: idea this whole time
4: absolutely yeah yeah and uh, obviously Teddy Sigma appreciated what we said about him Tony Weinbender promoter of fest wrestling uh, actually uh, heard the uh, review and listened to it and liked it and we went to an NXt show which you probably did a, a, a we were there for I'm sure, sure um, and sure. Uh, we actually met Tony Weinbender at the show he was at the show we talked about it and we were like hey we're we're uh, the whole reference show. We did the review for uh, Pickle on the Tree. And he was like, oh, you! it's you guys. It's, You're the whole reference yeah, yeah, show. Yeah. I was like, oh,
2: hey. So we kind of, after that, became buds. And uh, the rest is history. Do you, do you remember the funniest part of that was we didn't really know who Tony was? Yeah, we, we
4: didn't know that he was the, the, the guy. We knew that. I I knew that I saw him there, I, and like right. he, he was the guy in the ring talking and stuff like that. Well, yeah, well, I had the, no idea the, it was his he's baby. The,
2: the ring announcer. No, he was the the father of it all. I had no idea. And you remember who caught our eye? It was actually not Tony. It was Leon Scott. Because mm-hmm. we we're like, I think that's Leon Scott over there leaning against the pole. Right. That's holding up this tent here.
4: Just muscly, imposing, uh, six foot three slash four. Uh, dude, who's obviously a wrestler, you know—that's uh, Leon Scott. Kind of, kind of sticks out.
2: Yeah. What's amazing is that seems like a million years ago now. Because
4: it was a million years ago, Darren.
2: It was yeah. less than two years ago. <laughs> a million. Uh, th- th- that's a million in dog years. But Fest has become such an important part of this show. Uh, you know, the, the, it's a company that only runs six shows a year it's uh it's not beating down anyone's door it it's not force feeding anyone but it is putting out a truly amazing indie wrestling product. It's by punks it's for everyone Tony Weinbender and the whole organization embraced us fully just as as truly and as tightly and as sincerely as we have embraced them and it's been a really amazing sort of symbiosis like uh Uh, We really have dug Fest Wrestling and all that they've done for us. And and I think they've appreciated the fact that we have really put their product out there. And uh, that's not out of (laughs) financial gain. That's not out of design. That's out of pure enthusiasm and appreciation for their product. There's no denying how hot independent wrestling has become just over the course of our 100 episodes, absolutely, and FEST and its strange ties to uh, Defy and to Wrestle Circus and to uh, First Wrestling and Revolver. to Revolver PWX Ronin, all these ties that uh, that FEST wrestling provided for us, opening up new doors, opening up our eyes and opening up our ears uh, to see all these these new indie wrestlers that we realized we're a whole other universe of talent. And uh, we have done everything we can to to help celebrate them. And in return, they've really done an excellent job of putting us over. Absolutely. People like Sue Young, who, who uh, was gracious enough to come on our show. That was an amazing interview where we learned all about uh, the woman behind the Undead Bride. Uh, it was so funny. I know that... Even during the conversation, we had so much to say to her about her not seeming like her. Wow, you're really friendly. <laughs> and uh, she just was very gracious with her time. Uh, I remember the first time we ever talked to Rich Bokini, Right. Uh, at least three hours. <laughs> I think I think it ended up being about an hour and a half, two hours. It was a two-part interview. Yeah, yeah. Two consecutive episodes. Yeah. Uh, and when you talk to strangers, which is what Rich was at the time, when you can talk to a stranger about something like pro wrestling that long, I think all parties involved realize how passionate we all are. Absolutely about the product and uh, and about our involvement in the various ways in which we are involved. Now we haven't always been everybody's friend. Uh, Holla dead. Holla did. Holiday dropped by on
4: the show uh, we had her not as a guest uh, she duped us into uh, basically coming onto our show as a as a, a big fan of the show as a mystery fan uh, it turned out to be Holiday who used the opportunity to uh, promo on sue but also you know uh, say some very menacing very mean things to us uh, so yeah that that, that that that's just the risk you run here in the podcast game Ladies and gentlemen, so if you start your own podcast, beware! Be beware of, of mystery fans. It could just be it did it <laughs> coming on your
2: show to attack you. Uh, I, I believe she posed as Holly. Yeah, 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 Holly. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and just just fooled us. Should have saw it coming. She just she really berated us at the same time as she really went after Su Young and made it clear that she wanted Su Young's title, which she didn't get. She did not get it. She's an opposing figure, both uh, physically, uh, <laughs> mentally, and emotionally, and yet she she, she definitely uh, found herself on the losing end of a Soo Young fight. That's true, and, and ever since then, we've always
4: made sure to kind of disappear from front row whenever Holiday, <laughs> Holiday <laughs> comes out so he
2: doesn't spot us in the audience. You know, and, and, and Holla Dead being a, a frenemy, to use your term, of the show, a frenemy of the show, Holla Dead, she's one of very few. Right. Uh, she may be the only one. Uh, typically, we make fast friends with uh, anyone who is willing to come on and uh, tell us their life story or help build up their current, uh, you know, profile, uh, sell some tickets, uh or let us know where they're coming from, how all their passions about wrestling, uh, or who got them into wrestling. Both literally, who broke them in the business, who uh, who who trained them, who inspired them as a kid. You know, people like Serpentico, uh, teams like the Ugly Ducklings. Ugly Ducklings, one of the most rambunctious interviews we've ever done, uh, done live before a fest show, which we've never done before on site. Uh, sitting on uh, opposite sides of a red felt pool table. Right. And that was an excellent conversation. Those guys are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, (laughs) and I would have it no other way. Um, Leva Bates, what an excellent guest to have on our show, similar to Rich Bocchini. It was like, we don't know Leva. We like Leva, but we don't know Leva. And then all of a sudden you're going to sit down and you're going to talk shop and you got three people talking about something they care very, very much about, the business of professional wrestling. And next thing you know, we're hitting well past an hour, on to two hours. And, and then you start thinking, how can we condense this to podcasting? <laughs> um, but those are the problems we like to have. Right, you want to
4: have too much as opposed to not 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 enough. I uh, also want to point out, uh, since we are approaching our next live gig at the Fest, that's right, uh, coming up uh, later in October. I've got to throw back to our first live show, our first panel, where we had uh, Effie, of course, Rich Bokini, we've mentioned uh, Max Gregg, the other half of the commentary team of Fest Wrestling, not to mention Matt Cross, very, very well known uh, independent wrestler and just wrestler in general, very well respected. Uh, had a lot of great things to say about uh wrestling about punk music huge fan of punk music uh poor guy blew his voice out screaming and having a great time at the fest uh, he'd been partying pretty hard even though he doesn't drink um, <laughs> he got he 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 was that like wasted and and had that much fun with zero alcohol uh zero drugs of any kind so I mean that guy just loves to party. And loves punk music and loves wrestling and, and very passionate about it as well. Uh, Chuck Taylor, also, we had him on the show. Chuck E.T., uh, who's doing a lot of really cool stuff in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And it's just weird to see him do stuff like Wrestle Kingdom and all, all kinds of places that he kind of pops up and he's at uh, All In. He was in the uh, Over Budget Battle Royal in the beginning and it's like, man, good for him.
2: Yeah, and to think that j- less than a year ago, there he was on on uh, the whole reference show live panel at the Fest 16 and we were so happy to have all those guys on there. That was a real that was a very surreal moment. There we were we, we looked the part in our referee shirts. Fully gimmicked. Fully gimmicked. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I had the green headgear, you had the pink Hitman sunglasses. Uh, there was just a little bit of uh, crispness in the air. We were inside the hippodrome what a beautiful uh, set of theaters in uh, downtown Gainesville. And uh, we had all these uh, wrestling uh, figures that were there to be represented on our show and to talk about music and and wrestling and and, and good times and, and good people. And it was such a fulfilling moment. It felt like this is our show. This is this podcast. Right. And how did this happen? How are we here? You know. And that's what we've been talking about here in the intro to this show. And you know, this is this is this is a return to form. This is going to be a long episode. It's all you're already in. We're, this is going to get long in the tooth. And those of you who have been with us since the early shows know that some of those shows were quite long. We appreciate you sticking around all these many, many episodes and all those, those three-hour-plus episodes. Uh, if the stuff wasn't valuable and needed to be said, we wouldn't say it. That's right. So we, we are happy that you've been uh, such devoted, dear listeners. And uh, I think that this upcoming fest, when we perform live again on October 27th, 2018 on a Saturday night at the Hippodrome, uh, it will it will be that special feeling again. It will be that incredible feeling of what we have done uh, in these 100 plus episodes, and uh, it it just it really really does kind of warm my heart and blow my mind uh, at the same time. We've had some very very
4: very cool, very 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 talented people on our show. A lot of Wrestlers and wrestling personnel from the uh, wrestling industry, of course. But we got to thank the folks who helped us out with some of the technical aspects of the show, of course. Uh, the intro uh, to our show, lovely lady, lovely lady by the name of Becca Murray, who uh, did, does our introduction uh, for every episode that you listen to.
5: The whole reffin' show. It's
4: very. Very lovely voice, and uh, we were very happy to borrow it for our show.
2: She's a good friend. Yeah, and I've never—I'm. She's a good friend of yours in real life. I've never met the girl, and yet I treasure her voice. Hey, that when I hear that, I, I. I there's another aspect of this is beyond me. How has this occurred? That this lovely voice is coming into my ears and saying uh, the name of of my podcast, and I, I just love it. I mean, it's really great. And the music that accompanies that, of course, that is the handiwork of one Jonas Black. Of course, you won't find him behind uh, a rock and roll microphone these days. If you find him behind any microphone, it's his own podcast microphone. He does the Hero Lee podcast. This man is uh, is dog training. So he was once a rock. Caesar s- Milan, go fuck yourself. <laughs> What once was a rock star uh, of the uh, of the definitive kind, now he's a rock star in the world of dog training. Austin, Texas's own Jonas Black. I mean, I guess Austin claims him now, but I think Tucson might have something to say about it. I know Valdosta does. Uh, maybe Germany? I don't know. But Jonas and uh, former members of his band Broken End Stereo took a riff that you yourself, Perry, created. That's right. You, you, uh, if you listen to the first 49
4: episodes, you would hear the original riff, which I wrote.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And, of course, Jonas took it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he put his... Uh, he actually has uh, a good equipment... I basically just plugged my guitar into my MacBook and recorded on GarageBand. Um, So that was the riff that I came up with. But actually, there was an original riff that that did not become the show riff, which sounds like this. I actually liked that one. I thought it was kind of ominous, a little ECW-y. Um, but eventually, we went with, of course, what we ended up with. But uh, yeah, all the, all the props in the world to Jonas Black for
2: churching that up and uh, yeah, he took what was a, a badass riff, making it sound more perfect. I made it sound, made it a song, right, right, right. Like, right. and that was, you know, that was just very cool. Absolutely. We would also be remiss if we did not talk about a very talented artist and graphic designer, Ben Blanton. Ben's been a friend of the show. Well, Ben's been a friend of ours for nigh on two decades, uh, if you can believe that. Uh, 20 years. We've got to stop saying stuff like That's that. That's crazy, right? No, I know. Well, Ben is... Well, ex- I mean, we've been doing the podcast for 40 years. We've only known Ben for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> That's paradoxical because before there was a show, there was a logo. And we won't get into how mad you were at me for that. And... Uh, <sighs> And maybe we'll never revisit that. But I will say... You put the logo up before we had a Twitter up, an Instagram up, a Facebook up. And I dare say anyone listening to this says, that's good marketing. But anyway... Well, you put it up and it was like,
4: oh, now I have to do everything right now. There you go. And it it jump-started the podcast. Maybe the podcast would have happened a month later, two months later, and oh, this 100th or episode... Or maybe it never would have happened. And this 100th episode... I don't know about so, that. You're
2: welcome. Oh, God. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Forget it. Before there was a show, there was a logo. Uh, there, there were ideas of a show. We won't get into that. We, we've told that story before. Well, the logo, thanks to Ben Blanton, was beautiful before we even knew what we had. What we knew we had was a logo, right? Uh, and that logo is still the logo. I don't really know why it would ever change. It's changed. It has changed, but it has always reverted. There's ben been has-
4: variations. There's been like, uh, yeah, yeah, like I would say seasonal, but it's like. I, I kind of think like
2: SummerSlams a season, Royal Rumble's a season. You know, sure. Well, we've had a couple of awesome WrestleMania logos. We had a, a fest redesign. We had a SummerSlam redesign. Um, I really love. I believe it's still the the our logo on Twitter. I'll change that eventually. <laughs> the the WrestleMania thirty four uh, skin, if you will, placed over the whole rough and show logo, and all of that is a credit to the the amazing talent of Ben Blanton who makes uh, Perry and I look really good in cartoon form. It's fun. Uh, it, it fits what we're doing. It fits the, the style and the attitude of what we're doing. So so thanks to Ben. Absolutely.
4: As much as this podcast is literally just me talking to Darren about stuff, anything from wrestling to uh, Parker Lewis Can't Lose, the TV <laughs> show, or to uh, meatloaf songs or share songs, whatever... Uh, That kind of makes the podcast the podcast But also the personnel That Darren mentioned the long list of people We've had on the show in the past And they've they've been a lot to us I I don't want to say some more than others But some have frequented the show uh, And they're going to keep frequenting Because they're on this episode And currently with us one of our favorite people to have on the whole and Show, which is what I what I hear is the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, Darren. I, I heard that once. Okay, we've only said it for a hundred weeks, uh, so it's very true. Our good buddy, the world's worst role model, Teddy Stigma. Teddy, how are you, sir?
0: I'm great. It's happy. I'm happy to be turning 100 with you guys.
2: Hey, welcome. Welcome. We're we're a bunch of old men. We're a bunch of George Burnses.
0: Oh, I, you know, I've, I've just been—that was sort of my big bombshell for this episode is that I'm, I'm turning 100. I'm turning 100 now.
2: <laughs> well, this is the perfect place for you to be because so are we. I mean, what? It's it's uh, it's serendipity. We were all born on the same day. Uh, at
4: the same hospital And we thought our paths would never cross again And we were wrong Because they've crossed many times Sometimes we talk about wrestling Sometimes we talk about the Simpsons But it's, it's, always, it's always a good time
0: Preferably about the Simpsons <laughs> <laughs>
4: We'll get to it, we'll get to it, I'm I'll, sure We'll get to the <laughs> Simpsons, of course we will Well, Teddy, it is our 100th episode Thank you for celebrating with us And like I just said, we're Very, very glad to have you on the show. It's a very special show for us. It means a lot to us. Uh, I know a lot of our fans recognize your name and your voice, and they have been following the Stigma Saga since day one. We've had you on the show multiple times, uh, not only to discuss you and your career, but also, sadly, uh, your injury. And we've been getting injury updates uh, for months now on the show, and we want to know, our hashtag dear listeners want to know, What is the state of Teddy stigma right now?
0: Well, uh, my knee is attached back to my body, so that's good. Because, you know, the original injury, as you guys may remember, my entire leg fell off.
5: And uh,
0: getting it it put back on was extensive. Um, So, so, yeah, but the general gist of it was, you know, I am a wrestler, so my knees are just going to be fucked up. And, uh, and so sort of ended up with a chronic partial tear in my MCL and my ACL, which all came to a head at my WWE tryout whenever I was doing a stupid forward roll. And then for some reason, my knee exploded. So, uh, you know, two years later, here we are. Basically, I I got my ACL surgery done about a year after the tryout. And, uh, and now I'm in this long recovery period, which I think of it like six months now, I want to say. Uh, what, what month is February? The second month.
2: Yeah, so and, we're we're and, uh, into seven-month territory.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, this just turned into a math podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it didn't
4: so, turn yeah. into one. It always has been one. It's anything but wrestling. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I don't remember where I was. I was doing math, and then my knee got hurt. And, uh, and so I think, um... Yeah, we're looking at, like, January for a return date for me, or return month, I should say, at this point. So, um, you know, that's kind of where the recovery is. I'm just gaining strength back at this point, trying to make my leg look less like a noodle.
2: Yeah, well, dare I say then, I think 2019 might be your breakout
0: year. (laughs) <laughs> uh,
2: to revisit well, some of our previous conversations.
0: 2019. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna get into it because uh, how many how many breakout years would I have had by 2019? You know, because every year,
2: every year is yeah, every year year's is a breakout, <laughs> yeah, a
0: breakout year. <laughs> My favorite thing is I can legitimately say now taking bookings for 2019. Oh about- shit.
2: There
4: you go. Really don't
0: think people on the internet do.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, some of us have been lucky enough to actually see you, um, even though we haven't been able to see you mix it up inside uh, the wrestling ring. We ha- we did get a chance to see you at Fest, uh, the last Fest wrestling show. You were doing guest commentary with Rich Bokini and Max Gregg. How was that?
0: It's a lot of fun. Those guys have really awesome chemistry. And so uh, when I come in, I'm just completely butting in and ruining that chemistry. So that's always a really good time. Um, and, uh, uh, and I don't know, the, the, the last show, um, they had something weird happen, something technical, and I don't have any idea what's going on. They like, uh, And so they are like messing with the wires, and then it was really silent. And I was like, oh, shit, Teddy, this is your moment to shine. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I picked up on what was happening so late into what was going on, by the time I realized it was my moment to shine, it was already halfway through that period of silence, you know? Oh. So then I was, I just very awkwardly did some play-by-play of what was happening in the ring, <laughs> which was just like, oh, there's a flip! <laughs> and, <I'm> like, <laughs> and then perhaps sensing the disaster that was impending, they jumped back on and were like, hey, we're done! playing with wires you know whatever and then took over the commentary i would like to say that sort of wrap, wraps up my commentary experience pretty well
1: oh
2: right. no, damn no, well no. hopefully at least you got to tell us tell somebody where somebody played college football during your brief commentary moment
0: i <laughs> didn't even think to do that why oh, you should do a commentary
2: jim ross jim ross would be sad
0: cool. you know what we should do is the old like um a uh, uh, walkie-talkie situation, you know, or like I put like a little thing in my ear, and then you tell me what to say in commentary, like in the in the funny TV shows. Whenever oh. someone's on a date.
2: Oh yeah, and then hopefully it, you'll spill some water on it, and it will like electrocute you. <laughs> <laughs> then you have to
4: freestyle. <laughs> of course, you say all the wrong things, and hilarity ensues. Yeah,
0: you guys. Have seen those episodes of everything. <laughs>
2: is there, was there a Simpsons episode that covered oh, that? Oh, the had it to be right now. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Flight of the concords I think did the did that bit the best. Oh yeah, uh, that, absolutely. Yeah. Where uh, they used walkie-talkies and so they were just their voices were just coming through loud and clear and the girl's like, "Why do you have a walkie-talkie saying weird thing?" Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Not to make this a flight of the Concord, podcast. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, yeah. oh, well, it is. It is, one. <laughs> it is now. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, it's funny you
4: mentioned um, doing uh, damage control when you, when you thought things were going awry uh, for the commentary for the last fest show because I I am always reminded of uh, the last PBR Wildman Cup uh, <laughs> yeah. where, where, where things were going wrong and it it, it seemed because you were in there the entire match and you had to like. Constantly tell commentary like Oh no this guy didn't oh, show shit. up Or no they're playing the wrong music um, <laughs> I thought it was so funny Because you I, I can't say you broke character Because you are Teddy Stigma No matter you know if you're awake Wrestling or asleep or whatever um, you, you just, you just kind of are you but I just, I laugh so hard when you're like, you're like giving like the, the kill signal, like no, 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 he's not, he's not here, <laughs> he didn't make it, thought um, that was hilarious, so I mean you, you do have this fight or flight uh, when it comes to things going wrong and you want the show to run smoothly, so, so you, you, you <laughs> are you you more it's... mature than you think you are, just so you know.
0: I, well, well hey guys, I mean I've, I've, I'm over 30 years old, I'm coming to lots of uh, crazy new realizations in life. And, uh, you know, maybe one of them is, 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 uh, will directly affect my commentary and make it more boring. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm just going to say that, you know, if you're taking bookings for 2019, hell, they need to book you to produce the shows you're doing, commentary... Yeah, you're controlling who's coming through the curtain. Uh,
0: I mean, <laughs> Not well enough <known> apparently. <laughs> well,
2: well, better than Chris Gethard, bless his heart, just trying to read off of a of a cue card that he's been handed and it's like oh, the, yeah. it's like the dude in the ring knows what's happening better than the people holding the fucking booking sheet.
0: <laughs> well, then I when I produce the show, I will also do the ring announcing. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Perfect.
4: Kill kill all birds with one stone. Kill kill one flock with one stone.
0: Teddy Sigma hates birds. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we wanna we wanna apologize uh, in advance to all of our, our bird loving uh, 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 listeners out there. The uh, what are they? Uh, they're called right.
0: fuck you and your your aviaries. All right. <laughs> <laughs> or yes. our
2: ornithology there you enthusiasts. Go.
4: Ornithology. I, I wanted to say ichthy. Yeah, but that's, that's fish. So. See now it's not about wrestling already. There not, you go.
2: It's about ichthyology. It's about and about
4: yes. Sure. So obviously you're taking, like you said, you're taking bookings for 2019. It's going to be your breakout year. We mean it this time. We really uh-huh. mean it this yeah. time. Um Thanks, guys. That's awesome. I mean, again, like we said before, the last time we talked to you, it's just a waiting game. I mean, uh, Darren said when he saw you at Fest Wrestling, you uh, you did a squat. You 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 did a mm-hmm. squat. Oh man, I can't even do a squat, and I have, both my legs are fully functional, um, so that that's something, that's impressive to me.
0: I was gonna go grab Tony, and, and pick him up, and squat him.
4: No, Tony, but no.
0: <laughs> not not I, Tony. That was exactly what I had planned on doing, it was gonna be the biggest moment of the night when I squatted down, and like, couldn't push Tony back up, you know, and then I'd like flick some whiskey, and like, get the power and, like, pull them all off. Oh, man, they would have lost their minds there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: they would. I don't know exactly what... I don't know if that's Iron Sheik. I don't know if that's Vern Ganya. I don't know if it's Popeye, but...
0: Well, these are all inspirations
2: of (laughs) mine. These are all
4: pieces
0: of the the Teddy Sigma puzzle.
2: I have to say, right before you... uh, Right before you jumped into the squat, the Hindu squats, uh, trying to pour the whiskey in that one fellow's mouth, you were moving... And he was moving in the exact opposite directions.
0: Yeah, every time he tried to catch up, I tried to go to where he used to be. And, and most of it just went in his nose and in his beard. Yeah. <laughs> that was disastrous.
2: Yeah. Ex- ex- I, hope he ex- I wonder how he explained that to the arresting officer. <laughs>
4: <laughs> nah, man. In Teddy Sigma was at a show I was at. Uh-huh. We've heard it before.
0: Yes. Yeah we got a lot of perps telling us about this Teddy Sigma guy.
4: <laughs> Wasting good whiskey on random people. Just pouring
0: it on their
2: faces. The, there's a certain stigma to it.
0: <laughs> That's the Teddy That's stigma. That's where the name comes from. <laughs> oh, we're on to you now. Now we get it. top resting people who smell like whiskey. There's, there's, there's a stigma to going around just smelling like booze, you know? Nobody takes you seriously. Cops arrest
4: you. <laughs> Wait, well, that does remind me of the first time I ever saw you in action, which was the first Pickle in the Tree uh, Fest wrestling show that I went to. And I remember you came by and you were drinking the whiskey, and I thought like it's probably not real whiskey. And then you spit it out near me, and like like the the whiskey mist hit me, and I went that that that, that that's real. That, that that's real stuff. Uh, this guy this guy is drinking half a bottle of whiskey and he's about to get in the ring and. Be responsible for people's lives, uh, but you did great. You threw Jason Kate off a bus, and you, you fell off a ladder. Uh, it was a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, no, that was a good that was a good first uh, Teddy Stickman experience. Now you guys think I'm gonna fall off the ladder
4: and everything. <laughs> we saw you be a badass and do badass things, and take a huge bump. And sadly, did not win that match. But uh, always looking forward to seeing more action uh, with you and yeah, uh, wrestling.
0: Win. I do win matches. That would be nice.
4: <laughs> Participation award is it, it, it's definitely enough. Um, will will we see you at the next Fest wrestling show? We're going to see you at uh, the Fest. I hope we are family oh, too. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think so. I really just um, it's it's pretty arbitrary the ones I show up to, but um, but I I am ninety percent sure I'm going to be at that one.
4: Awesome, awesome. Well, the both of us will be there. We can't wait to see it for sure.
0: I can't wait to. Some more awkward commentary. Yeah! (laughs) That's
4: the best kind of commentary. Yeah.
0: That's why I only do like two matches because they're like, we can't. This is good.
4: (laughs) Turn his
2: microphone off.
0: (laughs) Inescalably, I get bored and walk away. So it works for everybody.
2: (laughs) At least everyone's on the same page. (laughs) It's like, and we've had enough right about now.
0: And everyone here is done. All right, cool. Well, that's a good note to end it on. Us walking away from awkward conversations.
5: Absolutely. <laughs> I get
0: it. Well, we're not Teddy, awkward, guys, we're just three cool dudes hanging out, talking dude shit. Oh, that's <laughs> right.
4: I want this to go forever, but I mean, hundredth episode <laughs> and all. we have a, we have a lot to talk about on today's uh, today's episode. For
2: sure. Yeah, we have to finish putting ourselves over. So yeah, we got
4: to finish patting each other yeah. on the backs. Uh, like, uh, what's his name? Uh, no, Barry Horowitz? Barry Horowitz. Oh my God, I forgot his name. I almost said Jerry Lynn. That's not right at all. Um, so I'm glad that we have a podcast, 100 episodes, and I confused Jerry Lynn with Barry Horowitz. Anyway, tell us where the, the hashtag, dear listeners, can keep up with your uh, the, the, the Stigma saga. Uh,
0: uh, I post semi frequently on my Instagram, which is at realteddystigma, because apparently there are enough people that can take account that I do that. And, um, so at real Teddy Sigma on Instagram, on Twitter, if you want pithy bullshit, at Teddy Sigma. Nice. I think that's
4: Awesome. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, follow Teddy, uh, follow the real Teddy. Don't follow the fake Teddy because who who knows, (laughs) who knows what that account's all about.
2: Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men. This is true. (laughs)
4: Very what blows impressive.
0: me away is that they have followers.
4: <laughs> yeah, they've <laughs> tricked a lot of people. For me, they
0: Teddy Sigma followers. But oh. yeah. shit.
4: <laughs> That's not cool, man. You, uh, you're, you're the original. You're the real deal, Evander uh, Holyfield <laughs> or Teddy Sigma. <laughs> That's Stolen
0: Valor. You know what that is? That's Stolen Wrestler Valor.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Teddy, we appreciate you being here with us, celebrating with us on our 100th episode uh, we both look forward to seeing you in person at the next fest show, and uh, we'll be there. And glad you're on the mend. And 2019, buddy, I'm not going to say the B word, breakout. Uh, breakout <laughs> break year.
0: Yes, hyphenated, yes. Yes. One word. Hy- well, hyphenated. well. i correcting people's grammar, Teddy. Nobody likes it when you do that, Teddy.
4: <laughs> Usually they got Darren for that, Teddy, but thank you very much. Thank okay. you so much.
0: Bye, guys. It's been good talking to you.
4: Always a pleasure, Teddy. You're welcome back anytime. We'll see you on the 200th episode, but we'll see you before then as well. So, wait, <laughs> no, I'm wait full time. <laughs> All right, Teddy. Thank you for checking in, bud. Very well. Always lovely to hear from Mr. Teddy Stigma. He he calls himself the world's worst role model, but again, I I look up to him.
2: Yeah, I do too. I don't I don't understand that. Uh, what so del-
4: that? so self-deprecating? It, it is.
2: I mean. <laughs> He wants to eat steak, lift weights and yeah, drink yeah. whiskey. Everybody drinks whiskey. Sure, sure. Good good, smart, admirable people drink whiskey. I'm not just putting myself over when I say that. My uh my uh my favorite uh I should say one of my favorite
4: things about Teddy Sigma is when he self deprecates, he refers himself to third person and calls himself Teddy. That is uh, wonderful. Which which I, I, I really noticed this this uh
2: the interview right here. Um it's like ah, he, he does do that, doesn't he? Um, it's funny for someone who has like a monster. Like he's a, he's a monster. Oh, he absolutely he, is. He, he, he's huge. He's muscly. He's an ass kicker. But the dude is a sweetheart. He's a nice guy.
5: And he's his really name f- is Teddy. He's he's a
2: super uh, he's a super
4: fun guy. Uh, and I, I can't wait to see him back on the ring again because he he really is a great wrestler. He's a lot of fun to watch. Super entertaining. The future's still bright for you, Teddy you're gonna get there bud believe me you're you're gonna be there the future's so bright
2: you gotta wear shades uh yeah i uh i don't know if I've ever seen teddy wear shades uh but uh he he might need to add them to, to the look to the to the sleeveless wolf t shirts to the bandana to <laughs> to, to, the, to the evan Williams maybe some uh hey man don't cramp his style oh I'm not I'm just trying to maybe some like of those uh like uh like Scholastic Book Fair Wayfarer rip-offs? Oh no! That have no, like lime no. green uh, ear stems. No, no, it's all gone wrong. It's all gone wrong. He could he could wear those. He could have like a Michael Jordan poster. Uh, sorry, I just uh, I just attended the nineteen ninety three Book Fair. <laughs> of course, uh, as we said, we're going to see Teddy Sigma very
4: soon at uh, the next Fest Wrestling show, and uh, you can't talk about Fest Wrestling, Darren. Without talking about the guy who brought us to the ball, as it were. We rode in the carriage, and we, we went to the ball, and the carriage became a pumpkin?
2: Where, where, where am I going with this? Um, uh, I, oh, well, I know where I. I don't know where you're going with it, but I do know that uh, before we get to our next guest, I will say he's responsible for the one and only time I ever wore glass slippers. Hey, there you go. <laughs> who the hell would wear glass slippers? You can't wear glass slippers. Slippers, right? You would break them. Yeah, yeah. No matter how much you weigh, you would break glass slippers. It's a foolish story, right? Well, I don't want to go to a ball if you got to wear glass slippers.
4: I think, I think uh, that this young man would refer to himself as the Cinderella of wrestling because it's certainly been a Cinderella story for him so
2: far. Wow, yes, it has, dear listeners. Now it is time on this very special 100th episode. Of The Whole and Show, in which we are joined by one of our oldest, dearest friends, one of our oldest, dearest contributors, somebody that's grown up and been with us for almost this entire journey, almost a 100 episodes. Pretty close to it. Yeah, we want to welcome the Golden Boy of Grab Ass and the Fest Wrestling World Champion. Of course, we're talking about Effie.
1: I feel... Matchbox 20 where We're talking about Look how far we've come <laughs> what a Magic moment And happy birthday Aww. This is not Easy achievement Most people give up On podcasts After the third episode
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't say We didn't consider it Oh my god
4: <laughs> uh, this, the, 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 Every week Is something new It's a new hurdle A new challenge But uh, uh, we, we appreciate that Thank you for the Happy birthday And yeah you. Uh, we had you Pretty early on uh, on the show and you you've always been one of our favorite guests and we've had lots of great people on the show but we call you our hashtag best friend of the show and we mean I that.
0: love it.
1: So you've I earned that. that
0: you're a cool guy. But and it's,
1: see it's I'm I'm good for hot takes and that's always fantastic for listen. So I feel like people will listen in if they know they're gonna get some hot takes
0: ooh, on that,
2: the, on the mic. That's true and not just because you remind us of Rob Thomas.
1: Oh, see? He's great. <laughs> Rob Thomas is great. He's not crazy. He's a little unwell.
2: <laughs> right, but he, he's a draw, right?
1: Oh, oh, dude, especially amongst the county fairs now, you know, Matchbox 20 is a headline act.
2: Well, it puts asses in seats, and that's all that matters. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we bought a fair ticket, and Rob Thomas is here. I wonder if he's going to do that Santana song.
4: Yeah, you without know, Santana, it, you know? can that? Can that? Is blasphemy? Without Santana, now Santana's going to be there too. Don't not <laughs> He'll he'll be there
1: better be there.
2: So what so what you're saying is that wherever Rob Thomas is there's a faint odor of manure.
1: <laughs> yeah, because you know, he's been down there with the livestock all day. They usually bring they bring him in to judge the livestock so he's putting a lot of ribbons on pigs. <laughs> metaphorically as well. Wow. Who Damn. knew I'd be here shooting on Rob Thomas to open this uh, this venture?
4: Hey, man, no one's off limits, all right? Effie has the whole world in his crosshairs. Un-
1: unpredictable yours. hot takes. <laughs> yeah.
2: Exactly. Uh, the Twitter war begins uh, as soon as this drops.
1: God, like, I need another Twitter war right now. Lord, oh my- I should hold my tongue sometimes, I feel like.
2: All right, uh, we're going to beg you not to do that because... okay. We need you to. Last time you were on the show, we we very, very briefly and softly, touched on the topic of Izzy. I don't I don't want to be so soft. I mean, I want the shirt that says FEP's children. Yeah,
1: I could talk about this for six hours. Oh man, I, I, mean, I want I want right? to hear it. Amongst many news sites, uh, the British site, uh, I guess, the Daily Mail posted an article about me choke slamming her <laughs> and they had the headline like the subtitle headline was like he is also selling a shirt that mocks child abuse that says effie <laughs> beats children oh. the best part of all of this is i think eight of the shirts i sold went to children people were sending me pictures of their children wearing this shirt <laughs> so i was like you know what yeah I'm, bring your kid over here i had a dad ask me the other day i need to choke slam my boy put him in a place <laughs> so i'll do it <laughs> Here's
2: my PayPal. Man, I tell you, you reach audiences I don't even think you could have possibly anticipated reaching.
1: I think my crowning achievement so far in this business has been Landstorm calling me an idiot. (laughs) Wow,
2: Landstorm.
1: Isn't that magical? Right? Bumping elbows with the stars. Granted, (laughs) they hate it, but you know.
4: Everybody's welcome to their
1: opinions.
4: Oh, man. The only thing Landstorm ever did was that really good rolling half crab, which I enjoy. Uh, that that I think Boston the
1: Last thing he did was talk about the Canadian flag You know, hell of a word but <laughs> Good God, I think there's a little more to it once you get on TV
2: <laughs> You know, I have to say the crowning achievement of our 100 episodes uh, Was provoking Lance Storm's buddies Paul Lazenby and Don Callis To call us a couple of marks Yeah
1: Oh man, that's a call, that's a real call yeah. Don Callis has taken over wrestling in the past few weeks, hasn't he? Yeah,
2: oh, he really has, and uh, it was pretty funny just just to hear him complete be completely dismissive (laughs) of us.
1: (laughs) But hey, you know what? He acknowledged you, though. Here we are. Exactly,
2: exactly. Here we are, laughing about it. You know,
1: I've said it and I've joked about it. The the best part of that whole venture with Izzy is everybody's freaking out. You know, granted, all the people who were you know talking a lot of trash are these big superstars who were apparently her trainers, forgot that there are videos out there already of Izzy bumping. We would never let her bump in our school. There's literally videos all over Twitter of her bumping in their school doing practice matches, coming off the top rope, going crazy. other guy, you know, the cat boy who wants to talk, he's still taking money from a sexual offender, a convicted sexual offender of a minor. He's taking their money to train these kids. So, like, you know, that moral high horse kind of crumb. You, if you really stand up on it.
4: Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. It's uh, do as I say, not as I do, right?
1: Yeah, I guess. Oh, I can't. This is the tragedy. Yeah, the tragedy of taking that pedophile money. Okay, Lord man.
4: help us. Yeah, you you are not pulling any punches, Effie. Uh. No way,
1: dude. Here's a here's another great part. After that match happened, everything's great. I take the pin from an eleven year old because I'm a really protected part of this business, Izzy's grandma high-fived me and said, that was freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> We're tight now. You know, once once you've been beat up by an 11-year-old, you kind of just start to think she should be on your side. Okay.
4: I'm, I'm glad that, you know, you're okay with this other wrestling entity that's, uh, you know, a, a four-letter name, you know, vowel, consonant, consonant, uh, Y. So I'm, I'm glad that uh, you guys can coexist <laughs> in this wrestling world.
1: We've combined our forces. We might be a tag team at the end of this deal. <laughs> Probably,
2: I, I think uh, talking about putting asses in seats. I think an uh, an Izzy Effie team, or let us say Effie Izzy team, is, uh, is money in the bank.
1: Oh, of course. I mean, we've got some tag team moves we could do. We it's going to be incredible. Who knows when, <laughs> when it'll happen? We'll give her a couple years now. Man. I think really Triple H is just mad. He's had her on TV for years, and he didn't get to be the one to uh, choke slam her first.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that was it. a commodity. Yeah, we're waiting to to pull the trigger.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, she's already going to beat the shit out of that little girl.
4: (laughs) She's already too old to be the youngest tag team uh, champion of all time because Young Nicholas at the past WrestleMania uh, is a former tag team champion with Braun Strowman.
1: Uh, Nicholas should have been taking a broke kick at the end of that match. Let's be honest. (laughs) Oh man, I,
4: I think I think I think Izzy versus Nicholas. I think that's money. I think someone needs to book that
1: right now. I'll guess ref it, you know.
2: <laughs> I was just gonna say you probably need to have a handicap match against the two of them, but who uh...
5: <laughs> <laughs> Can can
1: can Izzy stand on Nicholas's shoulders and they wear a trench coat like like they're like they're a full grown human? You yeah, know, they're both stars. We can't really cover them up out there. You know, it'd be like putting them in luchador masks. <laughs> That's true. the draw ability of either. Oh man, maybe
4: Nicholas is wrestling under a luchador mask. We and we have no idea. We don't know. Maybe um,
1: that's why the Cruiserweight guys are so mad. It's Nicholas.
2: <laughs> Former
4: champion. Who else would
1: pretend to be a cat?
2: <laughs> I will say this. Triple H may not have been the first to choke slam Izzy, but uh, you can bet he'll be the last. He'll find <laughs> some way to do it.
1: Guaranteed, probably in Saudi Arabia, the first women to compete. Oh. It'll be Izzy versus me.
4: <laughs> there's there's so many qualifiers for that to happen, Effie. But I, I hope you get it. I hope you get your wish one day.
1: We're gonna build the Middle East up. We're working on it.
4: <laughs> well, you got a, you got a, a long road ahead of you, bud. Uh, now, someone that you are you are uh, probably wanting to choke slam uh, again, and probably not gonna tag with anytime soon it would have to be one Jason Cade. Now. He has become public enemy number one at Fest Wrestling, and that that's uh, that's your turf. You are the Fest Wrestling champion. We all know that. The reigning Fest Wrestling champion. What are your thoughts on Jason Cade these days?
1: Here's the feeling on Cade. At the two-year anniversary show, We obviously we had this big street fight, and I think what Cade didn't realize is when you take rules out of the equation and you've spat in the face of everyone around you, not just me, sometimes there's repercussions to that. So at the end of this show, obviously, he's dealing with, a ring announcer who doesn't want to deal with him, a ref who doesn't want to deal with him, other superstars in the back who don't want to deal with him, fans who don't want to deal with him, even to the point where the security guards, at eight seconds, had their tasers out to make sure he couldn't get away. Nobody wants any of his crap. And I think he's going to find himself in a really unique, precarious situation at Fest at the end of October when he's got to have a four-way with Serpentico in his chair, Saib Al-Sabah, and obviously me coming in, hot as the champion it's it's like putting a huge target on your back and asking why you got punched in the face he's done it to himself
2: oh absolutely every aspect of what jason kate is experiencing right now he's done to himself and i mean be careful what you wish for because this it's not an accident he he asked for it and he's got it
1: he asked for more than just the match you know he he asked for an ass whoop and he, he took stuff out of my bag. He took my belt multiple times. You know, he's gloating around, and I get it. And here's the hot take. You know, when you're the fourth guy in a carload and the other part of the carload gets signed, it's harder to get booked. you got to start stealing belts to take bookings. It's not an easy road ahead for Jason Cade. You know, he's burned a lot of bridges. Nobody really wants to be around him. PWX is kind of over it. Fest is really over it. They gave him the chance to, you know, to say what's up. The only reason this match is happening is because I called for it. Tony wouldn't have booked him again. He was why would I book him again? I was like, because it's hilarious to watch him get beat up. It's perfect. So, <laughs> you're, you're looking at somebody who's going to be grasping at straws in the next few months, and he should be glad to have Sammy Callahan on speed dial, because that seems to be about the only way he's getting booked nowadays. Ouch. That, <laughs> ooh, oh, there's fire in them
2: coals. <laughs> uh, that's true. I mean, that's absolutely brutal. Um you know, we actually... Re- if you want to talk about hatred, I actually reached out to Jason Cade because anybody that listens to this show knows that we have not had kind things to say about him for a long time. And this was before he became Public Enemy number 1. I called him uh, hashtag whipping boy back when he was still beloved by, you know, at least some people. Uh, in fact. Yeah, he
1: could do a couple flips, everybody loves it, and then they start, you know, setting into the fact that when you're one of six parts of a match, it's easy to get by. But you know, when, when all eyes are on two people, it's a little harder to get through the thing without pissing everybody off.
2: Oh for sure. And uh he's gotten to the point where when I, I said, Hitman, hey, man, I've got a platform here for you. We're going to be talking to Effie. We're going to be talking to other people from Fest Wrestling And we're going to have a lot of ears on this. I'm giving you, you can say what you want. You can shit all over us. You can be as negative as you want. Here's an opportunity for you to get some of this stuff off your chest, dude. And dude wouldn't take it. He would not seize the opportunity to have the airtime to even take his side
1: up. I mean, that makes sense. Once you start hearing his arguments, they sort of fall apart. So I can't really blame him for not wanting to come and try to articulate himself.
4: Well, I mean, this this all began when Jason Cade uh, expressed his, his negative feelings toward Tony Weinbender uh, for not booking him in more high-caliber matches. Um, and, of course, he took that out on, on you because you are the Fest Wrestling champion. You represent Fest Wrestling. Once he you know aimed at you... It became very personal clearly and you guys uh, had a had a grueling match uh, that unfortunately uh, did not really have a conclusion uh, hopefully at this next show we are family two we will get that conclusion and uh, you you will be the one that pins Jason Cade to the mat for one two three and Jason Cade will kind of crawl back into the dark shadows from whence he came get back behind Veda Scott's plaid skirt where he belongs. Ooh, ooh. Ooh. Hot ooh.
5: take.
1: Honestly, I'm proud of Saeed. He's done some things lately that have made me uh, very aware of how true his character is, and I won't go into crazy detail there because that's his business, not mine. Um, Serpentico is a psychopath with a chair dressed up as a snake, and... You know, I'll deal with it when when the time comes, but I'm not trying to poke the snake, so to say. Uh, (laughs) My eyes are on Cade, and hopefully that doesn't leave me blindsided by anything, but I think everybody's eyes are kind of on Cade, and he's put himself into a corner where he's going to have to put up a hell of a fight to get out of it.
2: You know, my eyes are on Cade, too. Uh, Perry's clearly, that's why he's got his focus on you pinning Jason Cade, even though there are two very capable uh, people that were not even mentioning. But you know what? I'm going to mention it. I'm not asking you to to reveal what you just said you weren't going to go into about Saeed. That's not what I'm here to do. But I'm not going to let you leave Saeed al-Sabah alone. I have to challenge you a little bit to say the last time you were here, there were very, very different words coming out of your mouth about Saeed al-Sabah. What has changed that you are willing to, to, to mention? I mean, Jason Kate aside... Something is different between Effie and Saif.
1: Look, Saev and me went to the limit. And I will say he had me in a moment where if he had landed off the top rope, maybe, maybe things would have been different with the championship. I'll admit that as a man. Outside of the ring, there's a, there's a, a bigger problem in wrestling where if someone's given an opportunity that looks really good, they will take it blindly they will walk into it, they will say yes sir, they will do what is asked of them because of exposure, because of contacts, because of uh, carrot dangling which is a hot word I like right now, because they're being told what the next step is supposed to be in their career, and Saif showed to me through his actions that he's a man who sticks up for Saif and he says, I know who I am, I know who I am as as an entertainer, as a performer, I know who I am as a person, and None of that works for me because I know where I need to be and what I need to do. That shows a lot of character from a guy. And it, it shows that you're willing to say, you know what, you may have given me a platform, but I'm not going to take a platform and stand up and be your trophy under different circumstances than where I hold my own values that's different that that put up a lot of respect for me and obviously i gotta run my mouth a little bit when when things are on the line when i get back into my own little corners when i've got a formidable competitor across from me when i've got somebody who's had a hell of a showing for the past year at fest i've got to be a little bit nervous and i've got to put a little bit of mental strain on them and i'm a hell of a talker when i need to be you know bless my heart So, yeah, I've got to come with the heat. But I'm willing to admit when there's some respect being formed. You know what I mean?
4: Right. Well, you're definitely going to have your corner at the next Fest Wrestling show. But there are four corners. Each one is going to have a a worthy combatant in it. So you're going to have to come out swinging out of your corner. But I believe in you, as I always have from the beginning.
1: And you got to know with a four-way, all bets are off. Everything is legal. Everything is good to go. And this is Fest. This isn't Fest Wrestling. This is... The Music Fast Fest, where this is going to be a standing room only, shoulder-to-shoulder packed house in eight seconds, things could get out of control very easily.
4: This is very true. No, we, we were at the last fest show, and there, there, there was nowhere left to stand. It was a wild, uh, wild, wild bunch of folks. It was the wild bunch. It was an old western um, at <laughs> Fest Wrestling. Uh, but it was a great crowd, great energy, and man, I, I can't wait for you guys to feed off that energy. I mean, this is this is maybe one of the most important matches at Fest Wrestling coming up. Um, it's probably going to have the biggest crowd that Fest has ever had, um, and this is for this is for all the marbles. You, you are Fest Wrestling, Effie. So, again, we, we'll be in your corner. If you need to use us as a weapon, use us.
1: <laughs> I'll do it, man. From the first match that Fest Wrestling ever did to the last that they will ever do i will be there because fest has given us as as wrestlers a way to express ourselves beyond what has been told of us and what we are held to and we take that with open wide arms we grab it and we run it all the way up to the top of the mountain and try to show it off and i think people can feel that infectious energy and they can feel we're doing something really cool so we're gonna give it to them for sure but don't forget what's on the line baby and when it comes down to it i'm trying to get that three absolutely absolutely
2: you know, I, I'm going to go ahead and do something that also, uh, you know, you, 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 uh, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. So I'm going to go ahead and do some stuff that is is not always uh, totally kosher. And I'm going to really put the cart before the horse when I ask this type of thing. There's a lot of fest talent that's there from the beginning. There is no one and nothing like Effie. But, but much like Saiv rose through the ranks and became something extra special in Fest we've also got people like Arya Blake and individuals like Teddy Stigma who made an early impact and now have been sidelined what do you say to someone like a Teddy Stigma who is chomping at the bit, to get back into Fest Wrestling, and you know it's not just to get in the ring, but it's to come for that title that you have around your waist.
1: What I will say is this, there's a place for everyone to prove themselves, and one thing that, that I've always said is extremely cool about Fest Wrestling is, a lot of the fans are wrestling fans, yes, a lot of the fans don't care either way, and they're excited for whoever makes them excited, right? Right. So, looking back and not naming names, there's plenty of people who have come through and left Fest Wrestling that have a lot of name behind them, that have a lot going on for them, that didn't quite fit in with the Fest crowd, or couldn't quite get with the Fest crowd, and they've gotten over other places and it's not a knock on them. They better be willing to come in and work their ass off, and they better understand what they're coming back into, because, you know, two years ago when this thing started, it might have been easy to get that quick pop and hit a couple of things and go, but... They've been paying attention, and, and people who show up at fest are invested in what we're doing now. They're really watching. They're paying attention to matches. They've seen everything under the sun that you can do in a wrestling ring. you got to bring the fire. So I hope when they're clear and healed and back to good that they're ready to get back in the ring and come fight for whatever they want. But they also need to know this is not going to be another night at the VFW. This is a whole new world at Fest.
2: Well, that is a superb answer. Um, I echo those sentiment. And I support you in, in in saying all those things. Now I just I just have one more nitpicky question.
5: Ooh! And, uh,
2: I, I I touched on it last time. Uh, I'm gonna bring it back to. I have to say I was quite lucky to attend a Spinebuster Championship Wrestling show, and uh, was lucky enough to hear Effie come to the ring to Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Now. I still don't hear that playing through the speakers, and by the speakers I mean the ones you got to watch out if you're coming off the top rope at 8 seconds. have not <laughs> heard those sounds come out of those speakers, and, I, and why the hell not?
1: Okay, here's why. There's the one major reason. Randy, who runs the sound, really likes the video they put together for me, and he would have to put together a new video to sing to the song to make it work, but I might just put my foot in because you brought it up, and bring out some Elton John for the Fest-specific show, because I think it would make a grand entrance, and I think it would blow people away. The reason I went to that song, I kind of did it on a whim one night, and what i found is everybody comes out to these really upbeat songs and these really like they're either hardcore or rock music or rap but it pumps everybody up i want to control your energy and so what i do is i i suck it all out of the room and i put it right on me you're not gonna be paying attention to the pump up music i'm not pumping myself up with the music i'm gonna walk out slow and dramatic to elton john and i'm gonna control this room and I think people will know that I've taken fully control of the fest once I walk out to that song, and I think it's all about timing at this point, (laughs) because you know it's different than the rest of the show when that song hits and you see me walk out. It doesn't feel like anything you felt in the show so far.
2: Hey, you said it, man, and and that's why, I mean, not only has that been a favorite song of mine pretty much my entire life, since the first time my parents probably spun it on vinyl in 1983 (laughs) as I'm growing up, but... You said it. I mean, it takes over that room. Everyone stops and they're like, what am I hearing? What am I about to see? And that's not to take anything away from the incredible video package that, uh, that brings you to the ring at Fest. And everybody loves Highly Suspicious, but... You, you fucked up and came out. <laughs> you came fucked up and came out to "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road." I,
4: I told Darren though. I told Darren. I said, "No, no, no, no." Effie's final match at Fest Wrestling. I, I, I hate to even say that. The the exit song, his swan song, is "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road." And to me, it would bring the house down, Darren.
1: You save it. You save it for when it counts the most. We're gonna make it count the most. And I think really one thing people don't pay attention to is the lyrics of that song. Because when Elton John wrote Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, if you really listen to the words, he was saying to the Andy Warhols of the world and the socialites of the world and the club people of the world and the record producers of the world that you can't parade me around. I'm not your little toy. I'm not your little uh, jukebox that's just going to play you songs. I am a creative entity. I do not stand with you. And I'll go back. Home, if you have a problem with me having control over my life. And now, more than ever, as I continue to poke the uh, proverbial bear, is that message something I need to hear when I get out there that nobody controls you but you, man, no matter how they tell you, no matter what they threaten you with, no matter what weird phone calls you receive all the time from people who have names in corporate and connections, don't listen to them because you are the only one that knows you. And Elton, God bless you for teaching me that.
2: Holy crap, man. You said it. Um, If that, I mean, you know, it's September. It's still hot as hell in South Georgia and North Florida, but a chill just entered this room because that truth just hit me like a ton of ice cubes.
1: Oh, yeah. And there's real truth there. Real truth.
2: Oh, yeah. Nobody's gimmicked out here. Nobody's even, quote, unquote, living the gimmick. That is some truth, unparalleled, that we have come to expect from Effie. We would expect no less. That doesn't mean we treasure it any less. So we definitely thank you for it.
1: I'm always here to just shoot straight with you. I told somebody the other day, I said it's a hell of a lot easier for me to be honest than trying to remember crazy things I've said that aren't true. Because honestly, that's way harder to remember a lie than just... Uh, say what's going on, say what you feel. If somebody says, Did you say this? I go probably I mean that's I'm just saying stuff. <laughs> probably at this, probably. At this point, we're just letting it loose. <laughs> well, I am glad that
4: our 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 separates yellow brick roads at one point merged together and now we're Absolutely. all on the same path towards uh, the Emerald City. Um very glad that you're with us on most of our journey here. We we've always felt that our careers and podcasting and your career in uh, in wrestling is kind of has been kind of parallel a lot of parallel yeah we're there. going up
1: from here this is just a pit stop on the road to sit and reflect and then we're back to it guys we're back to the grind yeah baby
2: oh no for sure and uh, so we want to thank you uh, here on this very special episode you know we can always count on you to tell the truth and our listeners know that they can always count on us to call it right down the middle and uh, so that's why we make such a an excellent team, we thank you for being such a willing and vital part of that team, and thank you for everything that you bring to all of pro wrestling at whatever level, whatever venue you really are changing minds, changing hearts, and the same time as you're kicking ass <laughs> and that's hard you're, to do, you
1: a tear to my eye baby <laughs> it,
2: it's hard to kick someone's ass uh, and make everyone smile while you do that <laughs> chokeslam children and make everyone
1: smile well not everyone I think Jim Cornette took issue but you know for the most part
4: Jim Cornette didn't like something Effie well, well this is breaking news this should have been the headline segment
1: you know I, I said to somebody the other day and I think this has probably been said a hundred times um, if Jim Cornette was booking wrestling he'd be out of a job oh oh absolutely absolutely because <laughs> they only want to hear him complain and he'd have nothing to complain about Oh my goodness! Wow, uh, wow, man! Mm-hmm.
4: Yep. If right. if you're up to Jim Cornette, the Midnight Express would be champion of everything. Um, they, they oh yeah, it would be the champion.
1: Midnight Express facing the Midnight Express.
2: <laughs> it, it's happened before; it could happen again. Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> hey, you're right. Yeah, yeah. The, the new Midnight Express against the old Midnight Express. Oh my god! <laughs> well, Effie, thanks again, man. Uh, we we can't wait to see you at the Fest 17 at We Are Family Two. You, uh, as as much as we believe in you, we know you have your work cut out for you. We're going to be there to cheer you on.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to go cuddle my puppy dog now.
2: Oh, Say hi to Cranberry for us. Cranberry.
1: She loves it. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
2: man. You take care of yourself. We'll see you real soon. Thanks, guys.
3: Hey, this is John Bring. You probably remember me as the guy who wrote the wrestling episode of Supernatural. But Darren and Perry... They remember me for so much more. I've been Darren's best friend since we were nine years old, since the first day of fourth grade. Perry, I've known his entire life as a cousin, a roommate, a friend, which is why I take umbrage, dear listeners, at the fact that they call Effie, E-F-F-Y, the weapon of sass destruction, the best friend of the show. I've been on the show, folks, I may have only been on once. Effie may have done the live show. He may have been on a few times, but that doesn't matter because Darren Perry and I, we've got history, folks. That's what's up. So Effie, if you're man enough, I'm calling you out. Step in that ring with me, pal. Let's look eye to eye. Go mano y mano to see who really is the best friend of the show. Bring me everything you got, Golden Boy, grab ass. I'm talking stop signs. I'm talking thumbtacks. I'm talking used doors. We know that Fest Wrestling's got a lot of those on hand. And you know what? I'm gonna bring it all right back to you. You choke slam me? I'll choke slam you. You powerbomb me into thumbtacks? I'll uh, probably powerbomb you back. You punch me a bunch and hit me on the head with things, and I'll. Probably get knocked out. Let's be honest. I'm not a wrestler, and you are. And and what just occurred to me is that you choke slam little girls. So um, I don't think I'm gonna stand a chance. Let's be honest. So you know what, Effie, you win this round, pal. You get to keep this one. But you know, come 200 episodes, I'm gonna work hard and train and take my vitamins and believe in myself. And we may be having this conversation again, my man. So watch your back, pal. Meanwhile, Darren and Perry, congrats on 100 episodes. Can't wait for 100 more. Whoa!
5: Whoa, 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 whoa,
4: whoa,
3: whoa. That's this little hostility from
2: John. Easy, calm down. I mean, I thought when I said what I said about a holiday earlier, I thought maybe that would have been the height of the hostility on this program, but John, bring... I mean, we knew he was... Tr- we knew that he was a magnet for controversy right lord knows he brought paul (laughs) lazini down from the top of the mountain all right he did he down from the hollywood hills to teach us all a little thing or two about what it is and how important your imdb is oh my god i mean i never i never understood that but now i do and now john bring is gonna call out Effie?
4: Well, Effie was talking about hot takes. I think John just did a hot take right there. Now,
2: Effie is still... That's the hottest of takes.
4: Effie is still hashtag best friend of the show, but I'll tell you what, John. You are hashtag best former roommate of the show. (laughs) Okay? That's all you, buddy. We'll make the title belt up, uh, whatever you need, but... uh, Nice to hear from John. Thank you very much for stopping by, John. We appreciate you. That'd be the weirdest title belt ever. Joining us here on our 100th episode. Uh, We appreciate the well wishes. I'm not so sure Effie appreciates the negativity. Uh, And of course, Effie! Effie! Darren already talked about uh, at great length what Effie means to our show and to us. And
2: uh, what he did mention is that we're all just good friends. Um, Effie is a super cool guy. You know, he calls himself the golden boy of grab-ass, but it seems he has the golden touch. He has the Midas touch. Um, Now, what that means is sometimes the Midas touch isn't good. Sometimes if you want to sit down for a nice steak dinner and you're Midas, you accidentally turn your your medium rare um, (laughs) steak into an inedible piece of gold. Uh, So I won't say that everything Effie does comes out smelling like roses. In fact, he is prone to controversy it's It follows him around, but it suits him.
5: Yeah yeah yeah,
2: it suits him. The man he he really does uh, and most of the time come out smelling like roses, believe it or not, and uh, that is a testament to, to to who he is as a performer and who he is uh, as a person. I know that uh, I thanked him for that you know just a few minutes ago, but I'd like to thank him for that again. Um I I would have loved to have immediately jumped into a uh an outro of praise, but John Bring managed to squeeze in there with his two cents and uh so thanks to John. Hey John, the whole Ruffin show does love you. The whole Ruffin show does love you. It it's hard to not make you best friend of the show, but uh you know, Effie's just so pretty.
4: And for those who've never seen Effie in person or in action uh, he's not just all talking a pink jacket. Uh, he's he's got he's got some go. He is a lot of show, but he's a lot of go, brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, uh, gotta love that. Gotta love that. Absolutely. Someone else who's been a big part of our show, ladies and gentlemen, because of Fest Wrestling, because we've had him on the show as a guest of the show, a hashtag friend of the show. He is one of the best friends of the show. Uh, you hear his voice a lot whenever we do a Fest Preview show. Uh, he likes to chime in and tell us what's going on. And it's really cool to talk to this man because not only of his insight the world of wrestling, but also his insight as a wrestling
3: podcaster
4: who speaks to us as if we are contemporaries, which we find a very, very high honor. Uh, very, very cool guy. Very, very kind to give us his time. Even though he's got Chick-fil-A getting cold in that kitchen. Well, 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 folks, we're calling in yet another uh, favor slash, uh, you know, cashing in on our, our blackmail list here. We brought back another very good friend of the show. He's been on the show many, many times, typically to talk about fest wrestling, uh, which is one of our favorite topics on the show. You're Your fest wrestling uh, brought up quite a bit on this episode here On the 100th episode of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, the whole ref and show. uh, Someone who knows a thing or two about wrestling, fest wrestling, and wrestling podcasts. And we had the balls uh, to get him to say that we were the only (laughs) wrestling podcast that called it right down the middle. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, welcoming back to our show, Rich Bokini.
6: Hello, gentlemen. Uh, Congratulations on episode number one hundred. It is, uh, honestly, I, and I say this not facetiously, it is quite a milestone uh, to do anything not only a hundred times, but to consistently put out the stuff that you guys have been putting out. Um, it's a labor of love. I know that. Uh, for most of us in, in the wrestling podcast business or whatever, it is a labor of love. We're not all the Bruce Prichards and Tony Schiavone's making boatloads of money off it. It's a labor of love because it's something that, that we enjoy. and. Um, I think for the J.J. Dillon show, I'm up to, like, 48 or something, maybe 50 episodes. So to do 100, hats off to you guys.
4: You'll get there. You you will get there, Rich. And we do appreciate the kind words. That's the nicest you've ever been to us. Um <laughs> <laughs>
2: Wow. Well, well, that's only because
6: it's all—it's uh, all, all in good fun, you know that.
2: I know, I know. Yeah, our dear listeners are not privy to how he just ran us into the ground for half an hour but, uh, <laughs> lovingly, lovingly. <laughs> hey, hey, never. Yeah. I'm
6: kidding. I was totally kidding. I know. Oh never,
2: never come between a New Englander and his Chick Fil A. I'm gonna say.
6: <laughs> you know what? You know what? I was just up in um in Providence recently visiting family, and. Lo and behold, Chick-fil-A is in New England now.
2: Holy shit. Oh, man.
6: <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I think there's one. My, my, my family lives in Rhode, right outside of Providence. I don't know where the other Chick-fil-A's are, but I know in South Attleboro, Mass, which is basically – my parents basically live right, out, right on the line of Mass and, uh, in Rhode Island. Anyway, there's a Chick-fil-A up the street, and it was like cars lined around the place. People like like it's insane, and that's what happens when Chick Fil A goes into a new market, right? People just lose their shit and they go, "Oh my god, Chick Fil A!" and you and you can't get in there. Uh, Florida, we're a little more used to it, right? Oh yeah, for Georgia, sure. right? Right? It's, of it's, So, um, but anyway, yeah, I've, I've got Chick Fil A waited, but I put that. I can always warm that up. <laughs> I can always put that in the microwave. Our time right here is special. This is the only time that we could do this, so I I didn't want to cheat you guys on or cheat myself of you know uh, losing out on the time talking to you. Oh, oh man. He's, man, he's such a
2: nice guy. Man, that's twice. That's the second that's the second nicest Rich Bokini has ever been to us here on the whole reference show. Did D- Darren r- remind me for now on whenever we discuss anything with Rich at
4: all whenever we're talking to him or see him at a fest show, that uh, we have to have the microphone on recording and recording <laughs> and that way he thinks it's going to be broadcast at some point, and he'll always be nice to us. Uh, no, obviously, Rich, uh, we do appreciate you. We were just looking here on our Skype. Uh, uh, timeline here, we, we actually Skyped you and talked to you for the first time back in July of last year And ever since then, yeah, it was that long ago um, And ever since then, we've become friends uh, We yeah. hung out with you uh, quite a bit over the last uh, few Fest shows We really got to bond at the last The Fest Looking forward to seeing you again at this next The Fest And hopefully having you back for our panel for our live show, our second appearance at the fest, yeah?
6: Uh, that sounds like a plan to me. I had a blast last year with you guys. It was, uh, who was it, Cole Cabana, I think Matt Cross, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. affy Trying to remember, was, was right, who else was on that panel?
2: Uh, we also had uh, your uh, co-conspirator Max Gregg. Of course. And, and, uh, and Chuck
6: Taylor, right? Chuck
2: Taylor, that's right. Chuck Taylor, uh, last but not least, joined us on that panel. Right, Colcabana uh, not on the panel, but he was in the audience, so that
4: was
6: a lot of fun. Oh, uh, that's right he had a, he had the show right after us. That's
4: right, right, right. He was uh, he was super nice to us. The super nice guy, Colcabana. Shout out to him. Um, so yeah, looking forward to doing that again for sure. And uh, all, all the all the fest goings on, of course. Uh, MLW. Uh, we, we just watched War Games, and you called War Games, and that was uh, that was that was quite a match. What were your thoughts on the whole MLW War Games experience?
6: Had a lot of fun. Uh, I'm I'm glad I got down there to, to do that show. I think originally Matt Stryker was supposed to do it and something last minute and and they called me and, and, and asked me to do it. So, so I'm happy to be back in the fold and going forward with them. I, I had a blast doing that show. I mean there's war games. Exactly.
3: Right? You know, it it was it, it was
6: it was super cool to be able to see that match in person. Uh, not only that, but the building as well, the uh, you know, the Fort Lauderdale War Memorial, so many You know, so many historic matches and cards have taken place there. You go back, you know, the old days of of Florida Championship Wrestling or Championship Wrestling from Florida uh, when Eddie Graham was running it, and that was one of the buildings that they ran. And um, it's just cool. It's a cool old building, and the match was a lot of fun. I think we did we did the War Games match, which was as we're taping this last week's episode. Uh, I want to say we did three or four more episodes after that as well. So, uh, some good stuff coming up. Ty Valkyrie and and, uh, and and Joey Ryan actually team up, which is really that's kind of a kind of an oddball pairing, but. Um you know, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch, too.
4: A lot, a lot of lot of strange bedfellows in the world of wrestling, for sure. Um, but what I like about wrestling is that uh, you mentioned uh, the War Memorial and what it means to you and stuff. It has nothing to do with the military or wars. It has to do with wrestling. With <laughs> <That's>, wrestling, yeah. <laughs> wrestling, right. wrestling tends to happen at uh, war memorials. we see seen a lot of NXT shows up at Jacksonville. Uh, Armory? Yeah. Is that, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's not a war memorial, but, it, but still, and, it's... And,
6: and, NXT. I'm not really sure where they're running now in Florida, but when I was with them, it was all armories. Yeah. I don't think we ran anything that wasn't an armory. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, it's funny. Tyya Valkyrie and Joey Ryan. They're set to take on MJF and Aria Blake. Am I right?
6: Uh huh. Yep. That's that is correct.
2: That is that. Wow. That is an interesting matchup, and uh, I dig it, man. These seeing these faces, familiar faces, in all these different places. It's showing the uh, the wide appeal of these talents in addition to the organizations they're working with.
0: Yeah, I, I think
6: with um, with MLW in particular, there's an opportunity there to um, kind of break down some of the walls, maybe break down some of the barriers. And we've seen it with Impact as well, where you've seen a lot of these guys going back and forth between Impact, MLW, and then uh, some of the other promotions that, that are around as well, but... You know, I, I think Impact is maybe doing some similar things in a similar way that MLW is doing it. Um, so I, I think it just makes sense. Um, and really, the credit to them, because Impact and Ed Nordum and you know, a couple of months ago, maybe it was longer than that, he said publicly it didn't make sense to him why his wrestlers were going out and working indie shows under a different name. It's just, why would you do that? It doesn't make sense, right? So you might as well send them out there and say, here's... And I who I think it was Rosemary or something that was the uh, that was the example. Why, why would you send these people out to work under different names? It's just stupid. It's better for everybody and better for your brand to say, "Well, here's for instance, you know, here's Sammy Callahan, and he's in I don't know Kansas City tonight, but you can catch him on Impact. Oh, and you can also catch him on MLW as opposed to in Impact, he's. You know Jeremiah Crane, and then he's something so None of that makes sense in 2018, right. right? So it's about so it's about time these organizations have finally wised up and said, you know, th- th- it's better for everybody um, t- to do it like that. I've said this before. It's an exciting time for wrestling. We're seeing a lot of changes, and we're seeing a lot of cool things happen. That it's just a really interesting time. Probably, you know, I don't want to say that it's upheaval but the way that things are changing is maybe similar to you know the 84 85 86 era when Vince was starting to take over and the NWA was starting to fade away and you had that type of change well now you're kind of seeing it in reverse
4: yeah NWA's where, coming back yeah
6: yeah you know the NWA's building back up and you have all these other you know for lack of a better term territories right um, because let's be honest impact right now they are what the Canadian territory, right? Exactly. Even though they're, they're out in the states, right?
2: They've turned into you know, a Canadian territory for sure. Absolutely.
6: So you know, and you know, MLW. We've got a show coming up in Chicago. We've got another one in New York. So that's a little bit different. But in you know, fast running in Florida. Then you've got Defy, which I do Defy out in out in Seattle. You've got PCW, and all these promotions that are doing things the right way. That are seem like they're trying to push out that carny element and that you know that 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 hucksterism element in wrestling, which has been a just a stain on the industry for, for so long. Um, we're really seeing the business change right in front of us, and it's people like ourselves that, you know, we're finally kind of taking control. And I, I think Fest Wrestling Champion Effie put out a tweet today. He said something about why, uh, not, not, I'm, now I'm quoting his tweet and I can't remember, but it, but it was basically why beg them to go play in their garden when you can grow your own stuff. Right. Right.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. We, you you know,
2: as a matter of fact, that reminds me. It was, I believe it was Voltaire who said, "It oh. is the responsibility of each man to tend to his own garden." That's that's a Voltaire quote. It is.
6: That's Voltaire. I'm sure nice.
4: Uh, all our hashtag your listeners know that. Uh, thank you very much, Dan. I'm,
6: I'm, um, sure, I'm sure there's probably, <laughs> you know, not to not to not to shit on the audience, but there's probably like half the audience. What the fuck is Voltaire?
2: <laughs> you mean
4: solitaire? Play that on my computer. <laughs> Um
6: is he like th- Socrates or so? What's that all about? <laughs> uh
2: yes, and, and I will fail you on your uh midterm
6: oh, if you write
5: Oh, That's that.
2: right, that's right. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Supp- suppress the teacher
4: in you, Darren. Uh but uh quickly back to MLW. Uh we're we're big fans of MLW. We try not to uh, we don't like to discuss it too much on the show because apparently they have their own podcast. Um, so... They <laughs> have a lot of them. I, I've been told, so, you know, we don't want to step on any toes, but we do appreciate MLW, and I gotta say, MLW, from day one, I mean, as soon as they came back, they, they just, like, knocked it out of the park immediately, right out of the gate, we uh, were, like, doing some really, really great work, and they continue to do great work, and... A lot of familiar faces at MLW that we get to watch. uh, People that we've seen in Fest and people we've seen at other independent shows and that are on our radar for sure. So MLW's doing great stuff, and and we're glad you're doing great stuff with them.
2: So am I. Yeah, well, I think the thing that is so attractive to me uh, as a fan, uh, that's so attractive about MLW, is that it is that just very bizarre amalgamation of what wrestling is in 2018. For starters... I know that you've mentioned the fact that Court Bauer and company uh, have basically decided to present it in a very specific fashion. And that's why you were recruited. That's why Tony Schiavone was recruited because the two of you treat the commentary of this product like a sport. And that's how MLW wants to present it. Well, that's great. That's fantastic. But then you look at the blend of things that they put in front of the camera and they, and you force rich Bocchini and Tony Schiavone to call, you know, something that's bizarre or out, you know, outside the box, but in a sporting fashion. And instead of that being to the product's detriment, I think it makes it that much richer.
6: Uh, I, I, I tend to agree with you on, on that. Definitely. Um, you know, we, we were talking. You're joking about we, should, you know, just hit record every time we have conversations. We had a, a just an interesting conversation before we started that I'm sure on another episode we'll get to. Just kind of breaking down our thoughts on the psychology of wrestling and and the construct and what it's all about. And, and in 2018, as that's changing, how do you how do you adapt what the construct of pro wrestling is into uh, into today's product for the fans that, that enjoy it today? I, we could probably talk for hours about that, but.
5: Oh, absolutely.
6: Um, you know, I, I definitely try to treat it like a sport. I try to treat it um, – I've always kind of been, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, I try to be the straight man. And Tony is as well. So you have – you know, instead of the haha heel guy or whatever, you have two straight men, color men, uh, or play-by-play guys uh, that are doing, you know, a mix of play-by-play and color. But we're calling it like a sport. We're calling it as – and if you go back to you know to the old days, there was always um, you know like like a Lance Russell, for instance. He was always that calming presence on on the broadcast. That even when stuff was just going crazy around him, he was the one that was kind of able to bring it back down and be like, "Well, wait a minute." What? what? And, and to be able to kind of explain it and, and and put it in not only put it in context, but also try to create some order from it, so the person at home could kind of understand what was going on uh, probably not explaining it really well but, but, but I, I think it, as an announcer as a play-by-play guy you you have the ability to take something that is maybe silly and comical and haha but present it in a way where you're calling it as this, this is this is insane this is crazy what's going on around me as opposed to kind of being in on the joke which a lot of wrestling commentators want to do today they want to be in on the joke and they want to haha themselves through it and right. um, it's a very subtle difference but uh, that that's the way I you know I, I believe it should be called and there's probably you know I'm sure there are people that can that can tell me that I'm wrong in 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 many ways. but I, I think Tony and I work well together because we both have that same mindset where we're gonna call it like a sport. And then on top of that, and I, I hope this doesn't sound pretentious, but and I think for this may fit for Tony as well, we actually do legitimate sports, real sports, so that there's a certain level of credibility that I want to maintain. For when I'm not doing wrestling, because I don't want to be just a silly wrestling announcer. And I've never wanted to be just a silly wrestling announcer. Um, I don't want to be pitched and hold like that. Tony does other stuff as well. And I I do other stuff as well. And I think that there's a way to, to, to balance those two. And, you know, hopefully what we're doing is working.
4: Absolutely, um, and I noticed that uh, right away when MLW uh, first popped up. I think Darren told me like, you know, Rich is calling MLW with Tony Schiavone, and I was like, and I, I mentioned this the last time you were on the show too. Uh, when we talked about MLW, it's like that's two play by play guys. Who's who's the Ventura? Who's the Heenan? Um, but it's cool that you're both uh, you're both uh, not people playing characters. You're both just two human beings calling what you see instead of like, you know, you go like, ah, you know what? Ah, he he deserved that low blow and, you know, like really kind of healed it up or whatever. Um, so it's it is refreshing. It, it is watching two baseball commentators, you know, uh, talk about a baseball game or, you know, a football game or whatever. So it, it, it does have that old school feel. And I think ML, that's another thing MLW is doing well when they put you and Tony Schiavone at the helm.
6: I, I appreciate that. It's—I've um, said before that it's, in many ways, a dream come true. Calling wrestling with Tony, he was, you know, the voice of my childhood in the, in, in the mid '80s. We we, we, we mark out I, for watching you I, on, on TBS.
4: Absolutely. Now, me, me and Darren watch it, and we're like marking out for you. Like you're sitting there with Tony Schiavone, <laughs> and it's like that's so cool that Rich is there with Tony
6: Schiavone. <laughs> it's funny because every now and then, like I'll, I'll, you know, I'll look at a picture, and. uh you know, I was like looking through my phone or whatever. And I'll be like, "Huh, it's still kind of you know." I I actually had the the same, uh, the same thing. I, I might have mentioned this to you privately, but um, somebody put out a a, a video of um, what was it? Is a Tyler Breeze and Jushin Liger from the first NXT Takeover Brooklyn? Yeah. And right, and and there were people. It's funny because there were people whose minds are blown that. Jucian Liger worked an NXT match. So holy shit, he worked NXT. And he worked Tyler Breeze? What the hell? How did I not know that this match happened? Because there's so many people that have come into NXT or fans that have been turned on to NXT well after the rocket ship that I was on with them, right? Long story short, WWE tweeted out, Hey, you know, here's from the first, you know, the first takeover match in Brooklyn and uh, you know, they do the wide shot and then they came to an on cam with me, Graves, and, and Byron. And we're talking about holy shit, look at this, there's 12,000 people in this building, right? Sometimes I look at that and I forget that like I was the guy that was sitting there saying that. It's just this weird kind of thing that um, this business can be very difficult, it can suck the life out of you, it can be brutal at times, but there are also times when if you step back, it's kind of cool to be able to say, you know, that was pretty neat. I'm glad I got to do that.
2: For sure. And and you know, you've gotten to you've had the pleasure of being a lot of those places. I I know Perry plugged in uh one of the uh the bumper bits that you recorded for us. You did did us the honor of uh intro I- our show once before where you you say you may remember me as Kevin Owens punching bag. Uh, and he, you know, Perry plugged that in at the beginning, you know, as the producer of our show, uh, peek behind the curtain. Uh, wow! For 100 episodes, I finally get credit as
6: producer <laughs> of the
2: show. Yes. So when that,
4: when you were, I heard you, were, that, you, were
6: highly, I, you didn't respond to this, but I said you were highly honored. You said you were honored to have that soundbite. I said you were highly honored to have that soundbite. Oh, oh well <laughs> of course, and, yes.
2: And listening to that soundbite, when I listened to the, listened back to the episode last week, I, I felt that exact same way. For you, I was like, yeah. Rich Bokini was Kevin Owens' punching bag, and uh, and, that, and that's that's pretty amazing. W- one last thing, and I, I maybe beating a dead horse, but I think it just it needs to be stated once more that what you are doing on commentary, uh, I'm just echoing what you've already said, but it is important to have that straight man presentation because straight man means every man. You are the voice of the viewer you need to be the voice of the viewer you don't need to be in on the joke you don't need to be forcing the gag uh instead you're grounding it like you are you are the everyman going yeah that's some silly stuff you know we we
6: try we, we try to be the voice of reason
2: exactly and i think that you you i mean you you try you succeed uh, and I think that that is a, that's a good thing. It doesn't need, everybody doesn't need to be in on the joke. Well, we absolutely
4: uh, admire the professionalism that you bring to uh, the commentary team. No matter uh, what action you're calling, you know, no matter what uh, what city you're in, uh, for certain MLW or Fest Wrestling, and uh, we appreciate uh, listening to you as well. And, and uh, JJ Dylan show we quite enjoy. You know, you're you're getting close to your fiftieth anniversary. We made a big deal about our fiftieth, and that—that's that, a milestone. I mean, it's it's no one hundred rich, but it's it's
6: it's still nice. Yeah, it's still nice. J- James and I have, a, have have a ways to go. We we've been we've been off uh recently. Um, I've had some family stuff that I've been taking care of, so that's kind of. Um, uh, but we you know we'll be picking back up soon and. Uh, you know, if, if 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 we get to a hundred, then uh, I'm gonna call you guys. Hey, guess what? Maybe we'll have you on our hundredth show. I don't know. Oh
0: hey. man, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that,
5: that'll be a
2: lot of fun. I'm I, sure I, JJ yeah. will, will be yeah. terribly enthusiastic about that.
4: I, I just want to hear you pitch that to JJ Dylan. These are two guys that I know. Uh, I want to have on show. Uh, the show. the The whole ref and what they're the referees.
6: Uh. <laughs> oh man, oh man. Oh, well, hey, we'll see. All right.
2: and it's not just the professionalism that's what we've come to expect from the man rich bocchini but the character or at least the the presentation thereof on screen it's more than just professionalism it's more than just a man doing his job it is a man who cares about the product and that is what you see that is what you get and that's what you hear When Rich Bokini is calling your wrestling show And it adds, it always adds It never takes away And that's what we can also say about Rich Bokini Coming on the whole Refn show And you know we're telling the truth Because it's been said More than once That we are the only wrestling podcast That calls it right down the middle I Uh, I think even you said that once Rich
0: Uh, (laughs) Hey guys, this is Rich Bokini You might remember me as Kevin Owens Punching bag
6: on Smackdown you're listening to the whole Ruffin Show, the only podcast that calls it right down the middle. <laughs> right right down the middle, fellas. Yeah. Right yep. down the middle, just like Dallas Keichel.
4: <laughs> uh,
6: who's Dallas Keichel? Who's
2: Dallas Keichel? Who's Dallas Keichel? You mean Voltaire? Oh. oh.
4: oh. Oh, go boys, go stros. Okay, okay, that's right. If, well, it, if, if it's not Voltaire, Darren has no idea. <laughs> if, it, if it's not Barry Windham or Voltaire, Darren Darren is useless. So uh, sorry about that's that. That's
6: quite. That's quite. That's that's two on the very uh, opposite ends of the spectrum, huh? <laughs> Barry Windham and Voltaire. I never thought I'd hear the you know like side by side like that. But well, there go.
2: I, well, hey, when you grow up in the deep South, uh, but you have an interest in academia, th- that's what you run into. You Barry Windham and Voltaire. Um, but you know, as, as the professional that you are rich, I, I really don't have any advice to give you other than when you heat up that Chick-fil-A sandwich, uh, make sure you take it out of that wrapper. It is foil lined. It will fuck up your microwave.
6: Okay. I, I, I appreciate the, uh, uh yeah, I will do that. Maybe I'll put it in the oven. Uh,
2: <laughs> there, there you, actually it's foil lined, but the outsides sides paper. So it's, it's just as dangerous. Yeah. Uh, you're speaking to a man who's had more than a few fried chicken sandwiches in his life.
4: I say we're, <laughs> start, we're starting we're certain
2: to lose Rich here. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rich. Oh, uh, go eat, drink, and be merry, and we hope to have you back uh, very soon so that we can talk about uh, the, the the construct of what wrestling is. But thanks for being a part of our hundredth episode.
6: Congratulations, guys, and uh, here's to 200.
2: And the train doesn't stop there, folks. This would not be an episode of the whole Refn show unless we talked about the nuts and bolts of the product that makes this all possible. Even though this is an episode all about celebration, about special guests, reflection, uh, (laughs) patting one another on the back, as it were, patting ourselves on the back, of course. Uh, if we just like Barry Horowitz, this, exactly. I learned on this
4: episode, not Jerry Lynn. No, no, not at all, uh, not at all. But uh, and so, certainly not Jerry Flynn, no. aka Lightning Foot Jerry Flynn. No,
2: definitely. Hey, hey,
4: I scored some points back with that one, folks. Thank you very much.
2: <laughs> but in order for this to be the show that it's always been, we have to take the time to go. Blow for blow, and talk about wrestling matches—the most current, the most relevant, and the biggest televised wrestling product in the world, the WWE. Yeah, we give it a hard time, but uh, it's it's it, it sort of uh, it, may, it sort of makes the world of wrestling go round. Without Vince McMahon as the standard bearer. Where does the rest of wrestling even stand? So it's you
4: might not like it, but you better learn to live with it, folks, because it's the at least the biggest thing going. It today. is the biggest thing. It is the global force that is WWE, but it's not global force wrestling. And it's not global force wrestling. That's uh, it's very confusing. Uh, it is it is however the top of the mountain. Got to get the devil its due. Let's talk hell and the
2: self, folks. Oh, I can see what you did there, devil hell. That was intentional. Uh, well, it's it's just a hell thing it's just a hell thing <laughs> so let's talk about the, uh, the results of our head to head head to head hell in a cell was this past weekend, hell in a cell 2018, the 16th of September on a Sunday evening on the WWE Network live from San Antonio, Texas the AT&T Center both Raw and Smackdown brands uh, co-produced this show. And Perry and I, for the first time in many, many months, got to sit down together and take in this WWE Network special. That's true. I, I think at this point we can stop saying co-branded, because they just are
4: co-branded from here on out.
2: Well, they are, but I, I do it because the brands exist. Do they, though, Darren? They do. They they do actually exist. I am very surprised they are they really don't cross over.
4: Well, I'm I'm surprised there there wasn't more talk of like, well, you know, Raw's better. Whoa, whoa, SmackDown is better because we are uh, rapidly approaching Survivor Series, and that typically is when you get that brand warfare. That, that, that's when the whole you know different brands thing actually kind of pays off because you 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 have these built-in Survivor Series matchups. Um, but there hasn't been a whole lot of that. They're too busy shilling for this bullshit Australian show. Well, And then and, and this completely new women's show. So it's almost like they have to get through all that first, and then they can say, oh, by the way, Survivor
2: Series. And now they've muddied it even more with this crowd jewel show. Right. We're just more non, non non-survivor uh, series. Oh, here, this is going to be on the network. This is going to be on the network. This is going to be three hours. This is going to be six hours. Right. It's like, are you kidding me? They they just I thought they I thought 2018 was supposed to be getting rid of all the superfluous network specials, right? No, no, well, that's
1: no. what the, it
2: is. What they were going—that's to... why they're all quote unquote co-branded. So,
4: so we, we don't get the the two pay-per-views. Each brand gets its own pay-per-view every month. So we we get the co-branded pay-per-view. Where people like Shinsuke Nakamura, who is a U.S. champion, isn't is even on the card at all, uh, and we get just hey, we can make some money in Australia, so we're gonna we're gonna pull the Undertaker and Triple H out of
2: mothballs and make them fight each other. That being said, I do like it. In fact, I like what? Nothing. Finish your you you're, that. You're, you're you're shaking your head no. You the, the the fans
4: listeners don't know that I'm shaking, but my head. I'm letting
2: them know. Finish your thought. I, I'm, I'm just letting you you know peek behind the curtain, man. Here's a problem. Here's a problem. Okay. Right? And this is the same
4: issue we had with the Saudi Arabia show. I didn't have an issue with it. No, this is the, the actual show was enjoyable. I enjoyed the show, and that's what I'm getting at. But say so say what you're gonna say. Oh my god, <laughs> it just feels like it's not part of the storyline. Because you're bringing in wrestlers that that you're not doing programs with beyond this one pay-per-view, um, and it just seems like it's it's a sidebar show. It, it's total exhibition. A lot of shit going on that has nothing to do with with, with the storylines that have been going for you know weeks, months, years, whatever. Um, so th- that's what I don't like about it. Is it's, it's just like if someone threw the Cimmerillion... Right in the middle of uh, of <laughs> Return of the King... And said, okay, all this is going on... Now, remember all this shit from way before this story began? All that, you have to know now for this... Just for this one part. And then you can finish the story that you were reading. That's what it feels like to me.
2: My only response is that... Dear listeners... It only took 100 episodes to get a Silmarillion <laughs>
5: reference.
2: <laughs> and I made it. I didn't even read the goddamn thing, Darren. I
3: No know, one
4: has. I have. It's unreadable. I've read it. Because it's far too long. No one's ever read it. I've read it. Dear listeners, if you ever read it... I've read it twice. Please let us know. And
2: you won't. We won't hear from me because no one's ever read it. I Well, I'll write in. I'll write us and say... Hey, I read it twice. And I guess you'll ignore me. You'll ignore me like you're ignoring me right now. I, I ignore all fake accounts that lie to me, Darren, and
4: yours would be of that kind.
2: But uh, what if Nighttime Buddy Day were to tweet at you?
4: Totally fine. Nighttime Buddy Day, a fictional character that now exists on Twitter. Uh, gotta love our fans. Um, all yes. Right.
2: <laughs> that I would believe. All right. Here's the real. Here's the real story, though. Okay. These shows are awesome.
4: It was a good show. I did enjoy it. And a 40-man Royal Rumble was a little much. A 50-man Royal Rumble. Oh, a 50-man, oh my God, you're right. It was 50-man Rumble. Was a little much. It, it was, after all, the greatest. No, no, not even the. It was just greatest yeah. Royal
2: Rumble, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All I'm saying is give me more Super Showdowns. Give me more Crown Jewels. Because they are better shows. I enjoy watching them more.
4: Oh, because because the fans, uh, are w- whatever country is putting them on, they say, like, oh, we want to see this. So it's not, oh, Vince McMahon, I want to see this. It's, it's them booking the shows. So, yeah, it, it's going to be cooler stuff. I mean, I think every match... From Greatest
2: Royal Rumble was gimmicked uh, We saw a
4: casket match for God's sake I mean come on
2: I just think that's how All wrestling used to be booked Right Look at All In I mean just look at All In the, the, the Yeah they did some, some Gimmicky stuff They did some build up You know Cody and Aldous. There was some NWA goings on Obviously the Hangman Page Joey Ryan thing but for the most part, it was just one giant exhibition show that sold itself on the talent and on the card. Sure. And that's all I'm saying. I want to see more of that from WWE. Well, I'm, I'm not tired a- of WWE selling itself as WWE. go back to selling itself as wrestling cards. I That, that I can agree with. I'm not a huge fan of basically
4: any, well, I won't say any, Most storylines going on in current WWE history. So it is nice to kind of just break away from that and say, well, these two are fighting. These two are fighting just for the sake of fighting because these Australians paid us a lot of money and they like Foster's beer, uh, is what I've heard. I I
2: don't think,
4: I probably don't actually like Foster's beer. Well, Foster's is Australian for beer. It
2: is Australian for beer. You're right about that. Well, Hell in a Cell. Okay, so so Hell in a
4: Cell is part of normal WWE storyline continuity, and that's what we're going to discuss today. Yes.
2: Right, and and I will say this, despite the fact we've just ragged on that concept terribly, this show is is not that bad. Maybe it was just because we were sitting there in the room together, we were making fun of the bad stuff in real time, and enjoying the good stuff More because we were there together to go, oh, wow, and mark out and pop and laugh and, you know, and that sort of thing. But it just, I enjoyed this show more than I have a lot of WWE, you know, regular storyline shows in a while.
4: It was, it was, it was fine.
2: I will say this, though. (laughs) Why are they all now like five-hour shows? Full disclosure, we watched, we did not watch any pre-show show. We caught the very end of the one pre-show match, the SmackDown tag title match, because we were watching the latest episode of MLW, so Mm -hmm. we could watch the War Games match. Right, right. Then we watched the over-budget Battle Royal that was on WGN the hour before All In. So that's what we are watching, and then we were going to turn to the network to just watch something else. And hey, look at that. As we turn it on, the New Day are retaining right. their tag team titles. It's like six thirty, yeah, six thirty p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Why is this match on?
4: Yeah, well, you said it started at seven. You said the pre-show started at seven. I was like, there's no way. But I believe. But why you, would you think that? I don't know, Darren. I'm I'm used to I'm used to kooky West Coast time. Where everything starts way early in the day and it's just weird to watch wrestling and the sun's still out for me. I don't know. I would
2: love that. Because I'm a vampire is why. I know. When I very briefly lived in Los Angeles, uh, I did get to watch WrestleMania during the day. And that was a very strange feeling. I remember watching Raw and it was
4: daylight out still and it just seemed like it was so early in the day. And I was just like, is this some sort of weird... KGB Satellite TV that I'm getting
2: wrestling on. Oh, that's right. There's a three-hour time difference. Okay. That was... Well, I. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, the, the pre-show match was inexplicably a tag team title match. Uh, I think it was uh, somewhere in this show that you uh, re- revisited your very strong opinion that no title should ever be defended on the pre-show. No. Keep titles away from that. That's a disservice to your champions. Yeah, and the disservice to the championships.
4: Right. I mean, the pre-show back of the day when the pre when the kickoff show was new, it used to be we've used this word a thousand times already this episode, but total exhibition. It used to be like, hey, we didn't have room on the card for these six guys, so here's a six-man tag with these six guys. You know, exactly. And it was like, oh god, here. Here are 30 cruiserweights, you know, all, all punching each other in the face. You know, whatever. It, it was just a way to include more people on your show. You didn't want to waste any title matches on a pre-show. Because people are, you know, they're getting to their buddy's house. They're getting Wendy's, you know, or get, ordering pizza before the show. You know, whatever. Like, it, it's it's just bullshit. And, you know, here's this here's this package of the main event seven times and all that stuff. Like, don't put title matches on the pre-show. Right. E- e- even if the champion's going to retain, you don't. We don't know that. I mean, we we know that, but we don't know that. Titles have changed hands on a kickoff show, and people have missed those matches. And it's kind of like, well, do I? Does that mean I have to watch the two-hour pre-show, one-hour pre-show, whatever, or I'm going to miss something? Like, as that's not fair. You heard already making me watch four hour, four hours, five hours of wrestling
2: on the actual normal show. But anyway. And that's my that's even better illustrates my point. It's now a four hour show in addition to the pre-show. Right. And there's only eight matches booked.
4: Well I remember watching the show with you and you were like, there's only four matches left and there's still like two hours left. And I think every match had to reach like the twenty minute, thirty minute
2: mark
5: eventually. Yeah, yeah
2: you're right. And a WWE audience has been trained. Not to be tolerant of matches that long. That's true. WWE did it to themselves. They have trained their the WWE universe, as it were, to expect a short match. Then you're going to give them a card of nothing but long matches, and then you wonder why they're not popping. That's why. Yeah, it was, it was kind of it was kind of a
4: quiet uh, audience.
2: I San I was Antonio saying, was dead, man. They're pretty dead. It was dead. For, like I said, what was actually a pretty good show. But the New Day retain. They defeat Rusev and in English. Uh, it may be Rusev Day, but it ain't going Rusev's way. Ooh. New Day retain and now begins a four-hour show. <laughs> and there's only seven matches. Only seven matches, so we can crank through this, sure. The second match was Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton in a Hell in a Cell. Yes, it was. A bright red cell.
4: Yeah, only two Hell in a Cell matches on this card, and uh, again, we questioned why this wasn't a title match. This this wasn't AJ versus uh, Samoa Joe. Uh, it, it was pretty brutal, though. I mean, actually, it, it was not a bad match. I, I don't think either one of us expected like a particularly good match. I didn't
2: expect a match this good. That's it, for sure.
4: It wasn't a clinic, but it was still it was a very competent match. So hats off to Jeff Hardy. And uh, Randy Orton, especially some of the gnarly things that old uh, Jeff Hardy went through during this match. Yeah, I'm going to take my hat off for the uh,
2: screwdriver-gaged ear spot.
4: I'm going to put my hat on and tuck my ears into my hat, or into a helmet or something. So well, Andy at Orton... this
2: point, Jeff Hardy's earlobe is so long, it probably could be tucked up into a hat. Uh... I mean, does that is that going to heal... The way he wants it to? No. Or does he now have to have plastic surgery to undo the entire gauge process?
4: My, uh... I said this during the show. My, my thought process is that he was going to get corrective surgery anyway... So he was like,
2: man, just fuck him up. Just, just fuck him up as bad as you can, man. Man, if you want to, you can just book a rhinoceros to stick his horn right through there and just tear my head off. No, 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 no. That, that's rhinoplasty. That's noses, Darren. You're, you're thinking of eardoplasty. But I'm definitely not thinking of rhino. Because God knows that Vince McMahon is not going to put rhino on a paper. Oh, Lord knows. yeah. But uh, Jeff Hardy... Uh, he eats it. And by it, I mean a table. He falls (laughs) from the top of the cage, the inside, the top of the inside of the cage, the brand new bright red Hell in a Cell, where he's hanging from it like that kid who got halfway across the monkey bars and is now not strong enough to keep going but too terrified to drop. But then he does. But then
4: he does. Randy Orton is uh, underneath Jeff Hardy, laying on a table. Randy Orton moves. I mean, he knew he knew he had to move before Jeff Hardy landed. But it seemed like there was a big gap between Orton moving out of the way, enormous gap. And Jeff Hardy just saw Randy Orton move, so he was like, "Well, shit, I have to just fall." And he just kind of face plants into the table.
2: That's a gnarly bump. It was a gnarly
4: bump, but it just made Jeff Hardy look so stupid,
2: <laughs>
4: um, is, is the issue with that. You mentioned the, the bright red cage, uh, the bright red Hell in a Cell, I should say. Uh, a lot of people were bothered by that. I, uh, I, I I didn't mind it so much. I liked it. I told you, I bet it's red so they can make a new Hell in a Cell cage ring toy right. uh, to sell. Much like the shark cage gimmick came out. And next thing I know, they, they were selling the shark cage attachment for the rings. I was like, oh, I bet there's going to be a Hell in the Cell playset, Which, I don't know how they're going to be a roof. And you play with your toys in the ring inside the Hell in the Cell. And the kids will figure it out. They're smart.
2: Maybe it's like one of those weird, like, uh, how you handle, like, uh, radioactive elements. <laughs> Dude, you are going to say where, that. Where there's, there's gloves, rubber gloves that go inside. into the oh, side. That would be very expensive. A little cost prohibitive. For your, for your eight-year-old to play with his wrestle men. <laughs> you know, but it's funny, though, that you start a second ago you said cage, and then you, you corrected yourself by saying hell in a cell. Uh, for any uh, college football fans who are also listening to this show, Uh-oh. Saturday on uh, ESPN's College Game Day, which was uh, live from the uh, Texas Christian University, Roman Reigns was a guest picker. Oh. where they sit around Desmond Howard, Lee Corso, Kirk Herbstreit. They pick uh, the college football winners for the week, and they always have a guest on there. Well, they've had a lot of wrestlers or ex-wrestlers. They typically go for people who were also college football players. Steve Austin. Um, Steve Austin. <laughs> but Roman Reigns was the guest picker a this week. A different
1: Steve Austin. <laughs>
2: And uh, Roman Reigns was there because, of course, he played college football at uh, Georgia Tech. You, you say, "Of course," I didn't know that. Oh uh, well, Perry, did sure, you know that? Sure a lot of Reigns, our listeners, yeah. Roman Reigns uh,
4: played defense. No, he didn't exist until he became Roman Reigns. And then, well, excuse me, Roman
2: Reigns didn't play for Georgia Tech. Joe Anoa'i did. Oh, Okay, but um, Roman Reigns slash Joe Anoa'i was the guest picker. And uh, the host of College Game Day, Reese Davis, said, like, oh, you got a big match coming up at uh, Hell in a Cage. And uh, I was like, oh, no. Come on, Reese. you got to hey, do better.
4: Hey, you got a pretty big match coming up at uh, Wrestling's big Bullshit, huh?
5: <laughs> Is what
2: uh, Reese probably said. <laughs> That's kind of what he said. Yeah. Uh, no, he did correct himself, but it was too late. Uh, he said Hell in a Cage. And uh, I don't think Roman corrected him, but somebody got in his ear. I was like, Hell in a Cell! Hell in a Cell! <laughs> he, he's he's like, recording this! Exactly. He's like, Vince McMahon is going to cancel payment on that check! Yes. But uh, anyway, back to the show. Back to the Hell in a Cage. I mean Hell in a Cell. The bright red playset cell. Jeff Hardy does himself in with that face plant. And Randy Orton gets the win... And he almost doesn't. He almost doesn't. The referee is all but throwing up the X. Right. right? And trying to say, "Oh, Randy, he's hurt. He's hurt. Randy, no. Randy. And, of course, Randy's like, No, count it. Right. Why would the referee listen to him? Like, really, why is the referee going to listen to him? He's made the call, This is a no contest. He's hurt. The match is not going to continue. Right. I mean... In the world of wrestling, sure, the referee's probably afraid Randy Orton's going to hurt him, but really, don't go through with it.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Just when Randy's sitting there covering him, get up and run away.
4: Also, Orton could have just very quickly covered him while he was unconscious. The referee would just count him just to go ahead and end the match and then call out the, the, the It medic. was just a wonky ending. It was a really wonky ending, and uh, I guess it's, it's just to make Randy Orton look more evil. Um, and I mentioned this, uh, during our head to head, that it's because we were talking about how Jeff Hardy seems to be prolonging some sort of surgery because he's hurt in some way, which I'm not even sure if he's hurt anymore or if he's even hurt anymore. So I had a feeling that Randy Orton was going to really do some damage to Jeff Hardy. Sure enough, you know Jeff Hardy might be might be out for a while or whatever. Maybe
2: the surgery's just the ear surgery. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just plast- elective plastic surgery. Uh, maybe
4: that's that I don't know he's not a he's not a one of some of the lady wrestlers who have uh, issues with implants that explode on them uh, yikes yeah. that, that happens
2: uh, simply, well, we, we, we both said that Randy Orton was gonna win right We did both say that Randy Orton was gonna win. And because he's a nasty character, he does just that. He does just that. Next, we have another recently turned nasty character, Becky Lynch, challenging Charlotte Flair for her SmackDown Live Women's Championship. Becky, say it ain't so. Uh, You say
4: recently turned nasty, but uh, the fans still love her. Oh, yeah? Because she's right. And apparently, apparently, reportedly... Some of the fans had negative Charlotte signs in the audience, and WWE pulled them. See? That they pulled the,
2: the signs out of the audience. How bogus is that? That is absurd. I mean, that is so bogus, that's Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Right, that the,
4: WWE will one day realize that you can't, you can't really change a crowd's mind. Like that if, oh, it, if, if you, not could, like, you definitely can't like that Right, right If you could Then people would be cheering Roman Reigns Like you want them to Or you pretend that they do You you, you know, you know, show your package of Roman Reigns In whatever situation he's in Coming out And you cut to the, the ten fans That are actually standing up And cheering for it um, And go No, this is what all the fans are doing um, No, that, that, that's not how you do it Also, you don't take someone's sign Unless there's a, a dick on it Or something like that
2: Um I and if it's the attitude era, you don't take that.
0: No, sign. you,
6: you, leave it you want there, to make sure.
2: sure that sign with a dick makes it on the USA Network, <laughs> because Absolutely. people would rather see a sign with a dick on it than watch. I don't know the Texas Hangman in the opening match of Nitro. Right, right, exactly. Um, so this match I was looking forward to because these two are phenomenal
4: wrestlers, and I figured they could do some phenomenal business together. Match was kind of a letdown. There were lots of miscommunications, especially at the start. A uh, lots of sloppy miscommunications. Becky at one point basically just throws herself off the top rope and lands on her back right in front of Charlotte, who I guess didn't wasn't forward enough to catch her. It just looked horrible. It looked like Becky. It looked like wrestling was fucking fake. That's what it looked like. And I, I hate to say that. There's no excuse for this kind of match to happen between these two Not girls. for these two. Right. Man. I mean, there, there was some good stuff in there for sure. I'm not totally shitting on the match. I was let down, though, because I was like... I, I literally said when we talked about this going into it that it was going to possibly be the, the match of the night. Right. And it was not that at all it was not
2: that at all so
4: yeah so it's not what you would expect from Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch however Becky Lynch does unexpectedly win the title from Charlotte which we did not expect
2: well right everything about this match was unexpected absolutely we did not expect the crowd to go with the clearly heel Becky right we did not expect the match to Almost failed to deliver, right? And we did not expect this finish. Both of
4: us picked Charlotte to win. Yeah, and and speaking of wonky wrestling and the finish, the finish in itself was really quick and really out of nowhere like out of nowhere, and it was kind of like, oh, the match, oh, that uh, she won. Like it was very oh, like oh, Becky
2: won. Interesting. Okay, and she and they're not restarting it. She's got the belt. She just wins. Okay, great. I, I do like that they 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 went full tilt boogie with the heel turn though. She's not going to hug Charlotte. She's not even going to shake her hand. She's not going to let her touch that belt again. She won the belt. She's getting out of there. Right. She's it's... going back, hitting the showers, visiting catering, doing some stuff for the dot-com. She, she ain't got time for Charlotte. Absolutely. So, good
4: for Becky Lynch. We love Becky Lynch for the whole reference show. We love Charlotte, too. Wish the match was better,
2: but hopefully, I'm sure this feud will keep going, and uh, the next one will be a bit better. Next up is a match that we wished we had seen at SummerSlam, begged to see at SummerSlam, and hey, we get it. Right, we it. We get it a month it. later. Yeah, hey. Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre operating as an actual tag team. Hey. And they are the tag team champions of the world, at least the red world, the raw world. <laughs> and they're taking on Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, actually actively working as a tag team. This is uh, a, a match that we knew we should have been seeing sooner. Uh, at least they delivered instead of never. Better late than never, as they say. But Ziggler and McIntyre, to me, are a great new tag team. They are that let's put two singles guys together, but it works. You just love that Diesel-Shawn Michaels I do. dynamic, right? I do. I'm a mark for it. Well, I mean,
4: that th- this doesn't help... Uh, Dolph Ziggler when people say that, oh, you're just watered down Shawn Michaels. No, this doesn't help him at all. But I do like the pairing of these two. I like that it's a tag match, and I like that it was against Ambrose and Rollins. And yes, like we discussed, um, this probably should have been what SummerSlam was. Um, because it was yeah. in
2: everything but execution. Yeah, absolutely. Seth Rollins, I need him to be a heel. I just need him to be a heel I don't care about him as a baby face. I don't buy him as a baby face. I'm far less. I'm not not entertained, but I'm far less entertained with him as a baby face. Fair enough. Dean Ambrose, he's never really full blown baby. Uh, he, he's a he's a tweener at best. I'm okay with that. I like the short hair. I like the new trapezoids. You know, I, I like him huffing and puffing. Do you, do you like the new rhombus as well? Yes. Okay. Uh, I, I like him huffing and puffing and blowing the houses down I'm on the Dean Ambrose train once again Me and Renee Young Who completely, completely gives away the house Repeatedly during this match Renee Young, now part of the Raw commentary team The permanent Raw commentary team Announcing her husband's match Trying to act like they're not married Yeah but totally failing
4: right. at that when, whenever Renee got award edge edgewise with the Michael Cole train um, yeah that that was uh, Michael Cole <laughs> 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 Michael Cole interrupted coming through my <laughs> Michael Cole of course I guess it's his job to call like all the action and also like make the noise <laughs> make like a pain noise whenever someone gets hit. just yeah, and, uh, with, uh, Seth Rollins out there the- Oh! And, uh, oh! Oh! I got a quick quick cover here One, two, I uh, almost got him there Yeah, so I was uh, I was talking to Dean Ambrose backstage Oh! Oh, and he hit him right there <laughs> And I, I I'll tell you later, Michael <laughs> Like, it's literally And it never does And it never does, no, you, you hear stories start And then you never hear the finish of them Because Michael Cole's just going into his deal uh, match itself is good, though. I-, I thought it was actually a very, uh, very nice match, uh, well-paced match. Everyone in the ring is a competent wrestler. It's got a nice finish, um, and it finishes with Ziggler and uh, McIntyre retaining their titles.
2: Yeah, and I expected this to be a good match. For everything I'd like and dislike about uh, these four as individuals, there's no denying the success they've had in the business and their talent because whether you're talking about the world heavyweight championship, the WWE championship, the NXT championship, the Impact World Championship, these are four world champions. Yeah. These are four multi-time world champions. These these guys have all been at the very top of a lot of different mountains and now fighting each other for the tag team championship. I think it adds credi- credibility to the tag team championship.
4: Man, they must have—they uh, must have realized that. Oh God, we haven't given Dolph Ziggler a title in a while. Here's a U.S. title, but just vacate it for no reason. Okay, here's the I.C. championship. Okay, now 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 you're, now you're a tag team champion. Like, just all of a sudden they showered Dolph Ziggler and accolades.
2: Yeah, I guess not the accolade. Rusev would do that. No, 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 no. Uh, no, I I think with with Dolph it was just maybe part of the. The contract negotiation, you know? Right. He's been involved in, like, two big, like, ah, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave, negotiation style for, for, seems like years now. I believe Dolph is one of the highest paid people in the locker room.
4: I don't doubt it. He's top ten, if not top five.
2: Uh, I think Cena, Cena and Lesnar are probably the top two, I imagine. Well, put him out there and make him, you know, sing for his supper. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Hey. And he has to. Hey, do hey, it. hey! You got time to lean? You got time to wrestle a <laughs> match? Exactly. You got time to defend your Raw Tag Team Championship? And clean. I'm sure he's back there mopping too. Next up was the WWE Championship. The aforementioned WWE Championship, but it's right here where it belongs oh, on, hey, on the mid card. It's the middle of the show. That means it's time for the WWE title to be defended. AJ Styles, the reigning
5: champion. <sighs>
2: yeah okay let's not rain on the parade too much AJ Styles is the champion he's the long-reigning WWE champion at this point that means a lot to WWE doesn't it well (laughs) who was it Corey Graves who said this is the biggest prize in the game
4: I hope so. Because that's the world title that Dean Ambrose took to SmackDown Live. Right. This is the title. That's the title that Cena held, that Flair held, that Hogan held, that Triple H held, that The Rock held, that Steve Austin held.
2: Right. Supposedly, that black leather belt is actually the belt. Right. Vince McMahon just loves the Fruit Roll-Up belt because it's on Raw. Because it's new. There you go. And because it's on Raw. I mean, I think. I mean, I think just... I don't know why Vance, he just won't, he, he won't buy the blue, he will not buy into the blue brand. Well, we can we can talk about that all day long, but uh,
4: here on the 100th episode, folks, we're not going to dwell.
2: Samoa Joe, however, is working this angle for all it is worth. Oh, yeah. I yeah, yeah. am 150% on board for everything Samoa Joe's doing here. Barring Samoa Joe's random unfortunate injuries...
4: Samoa Joe will always show up to work and, and do his job to the best of his ability with whoever's opponent is. And, I mean, AJ, AJ and Samoa Joe together, come on, TNA days, you know they can do business together. Um, but it, it's just, what will the booking committee allow them to do? They'll never let this match be as good or as special as the Universal title match, which is why AJ's matches suffer because of it. And AJ's matches are becoming a little mechanical because it's kind of like okay that spot, the flying forearm spot, then I do this spot like and so I I would like to see some variations uh, in the matches. But Samoa Joe and AJ Styles, I mean that's that's a good match in the very least. So and AJ's gonna win. AJ's gonna win it. Cool ending. I don't know where this is headed. Samoa Joe has the coquina clutch on uh, AJ Styles, which AJ kind of rolls into a pin. Pinning Samoa Joe, but the replay will show that right before three, AJ does tap out uh, to the side that the referee does not see. So technically Samoa Joe wins the match, but AJ Styles rewarded the match and retains his title. So of course Samoa Joe's upset um, and he says that he won the match. There's going to be a rematch at some point. Paige. Makes it official, Paige, the GM of SmackDown Live. Um, so, we don't know where this is going. Obviously, a third match between these
2: two people. It was um, nice to see Paige all over this show.
4: It was nice seeing her be the GM of her right, show. Right, exactly. Brand, right?
2: Yeah, that, that's different. I mean, other than the first couple of weeks when she was accepting the position, it's, what has she really done?
4: She's also getting better at just being normal. I think so. And just talk instead of going like, hey, guys, God, what?
5: Because
4: what? <laughs> she can be a little flighty. Yeah. Uh, God love her. Nothing against Paige, but, yeah, she needs to be a bit more uh, professional. But
2: Well, we'll see what Paige uh, represents uh, for SmackDown and the future of AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, the future of that WWE Championship. But next on this night at Helena Cell from San Antonio, Texas, was a mixed tag match. Daniel Bryan and his wife, Brie Bella, taking on The Miz and his wife, Maurice. And correct me if I'm wrong, Darren, is this the only match that you and I disagreed on? This is the only match you and I disagreed on. I went with Team Brian. And I went with the correct choice of Team Ms Reese. Ms. Reese, okay. Ms. Reese, sure. Team so Brian versus Ms. Reese. Those are terrible couple names. Uh, we'll just stick with their with their actual names. Although it was funny to to hear Bree constantly yell out cheering for Brian. And then he's like, Why are you calling him by his last name? <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but yeah. Uh, that's just kind of cute. Uh, Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella, I totally thought they were going to win this match. This is why we disagreed, because I never doubted for a second that uh, that Bryan and Brie were not going to win this match.
4: Yeah, I had a pretty good feeling that uh, Miz and Maurice were going to win, because I'm the smarter of the two of us.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you probably wish I hadn't laughed so loud at that.
4: Yeah, probably. No, I do. Uh, yeah, no, I, I just, I figured this, this... This feud's nowhere near being over, so why, why why, give Daniel Bryan a win at this point? So That, that was my thinking. Uh, why buy the cow when you can get the Daniel Bryan for free? That's right? true, that's true. Or the Bryan Daniel, or whatever the <laughs> free wants to call it.
2: Whatever, yeah, whatever floats Breeze boat. Uh, the Miz and Maurice do take the victory here. And I just want to see one, by God, knock down, drag out... ...match between Daniel Bryan and The Miz at WrestleMania. I want to see a real good match between these two. Uh, That's how I want it to end. And I don't care who wins. I don't care if it's Daniel finally getting what he deserves. I don't care if it is The Miz burying Bryan and laughing all the way to the bank. I like both of these guys a whole lot. I like the feud... I just want to see it culminate in a satisfying way. Well, it happened at SummerSlam, which
4: is bigger than WrestleMania, Darren. So you got your wish times two. No, no,
2: you're not listening.
4: I, I wonder, though, if this feud has the have, has enough gas in the tank. I think it totally does. To make it to WrestleMania. You've been
2: saying that for a while. No, no, you, because. It
4: sounds like you really don't think it does. It, 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 it will be. It, it does because it will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> will we still give a shit? I will at, at Wrestlemania I will okay well then this this feud is especially for you it is
2: but that's because this feud is good. this feud makes sense this feud has gas in the tank. this feud has legs because this feud has something to it it has history they're gonna have no no I I am aware of all the history
4: between the two of them and how it was built up and everything. Uh, I don't think Daniel Bryan has got the popularity that he had, you know, before his injury, him being back again, because we still saw him every week on SmackDown Live, him saying, oh, now I wrestle, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, now he wrestles again. It wasn't like, he's back! So I, I think we were kind of robbed of that, uh, momentum as far as the Daniel Bryan move, movement uh, is concerned. So um, it's just—they're going to have to separate these two for a few months and bring them back together, I think, to kind of rekindle the excitement because we saw them have a match at SummerSlam. It just kind of was a match.
2: No, I agree. Okay. Well, next up, the. Oh, by the way,
4: I was right, and I win the head-to-head. Head to. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) 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 And I hope it feels so good. It does. I hope it feels so good. It feels good. Next up, the penultimate match of the evening. The Raw Women's Championship, which is held by Ronda Rousey. The rowdy one, Ronda Rousey. And she's defending against Alexa Bliss. Strangely enough,
4: this women's match, which I did not think would be good, was actually pretty good. Barn burner. It was an actual uh, wrestling match, because I was not a huge fan of their SummerSlam match. And this was uh, the real deal. Maybe, maybe uh, a little a little too much personnel on the outside of the ring. A little too much. Oh. And, then, and then this Natalia turn on Ronda Rousey is so obvious, by the way, uh, what it does happen. Um,
2: that's all. No, I'm just going to say the Alicia Fox, the, the white bodysuit and the like, Soviet military hat. Uh, do you call her like David Bowie or something? like I that? I didn't call her David Bowie. Who? Somebody did though. Was it Renee? Maybe I don't know. Somebody called her David Bowie, and I was like, you know, that's fair. It is a little. That's David kind Bowie-esque. of a David. That's kind of David Bowie esque. Yeah, oh. I thought it was great. Like I like Alicia Fox when she's allowed to be kind of weird and flamboyant, and and that's that look was weird and flamboyant enough without her saying a single word. Without her wrestling a single hold, just being there well, was like, Yeah, this is professional wrestling. She's out there selling and putting over the business by just being herself. She's like Dennis Rodman at Ringside. That that's actually a good comparison. She needs to not be so flamboyant though. Those they'll,
4: they'll start calling her the artist or <laughs> the, the the bizarre That's true. Alicia Fox, the uh, That's the,
2: dangerous territory. the the, the barista <laughs> Uh, Alicia Folks. But Ronda Rousey is going to win the match. And uh, we both knew that she would. Right, but still good match. It Very is good a good match. match. It's, it's probably one of the best matches of the night, I would say. It's amazing to think that Alexa Bliss was a professional bodybuilder who was told repeatedly she would not make it in wrestling. Even when she was making it in wrestling. Right. And Ronda Rousey, coming from the world of MMA... That's not a seamless transition. Right. At all. Both of these women are putting on a match that is right up there with any women's wrestling match I've ever seen. Yeah. Certainly under the auspices of the WWE. So, seeing this match here and, and at this place and at this time it was like, oh man, two enthusiastic thumbs up. Good job, ladies. Ronda Rousey uh, defending the belt, taking it home. Uh, after t- uh, getting the victory over Alexa Bliss, uh-huh. and then we get to hear the cage lowering music again. As the hell in a cell, the big red cell descends again for the second time because it is time for our main event. Roman Reigns, your Universal Champion, that you're. Your, Fruit roll-up champion. Versus <laughs> the monster among men, Braun Strowman, getting his wish, getting his desire, getting his contractually obligated universal title match by way of the Money in the Bank victory. Right. It's Roman and Strowman here
4: together again. Doing uh, something that you mentioned was uh, unique, or Strowman was actually just... Setting up a match with his contract And of course it was pointed out to you uh, By uh, Hashtag dear listener Friend of the show uh, Ryan Kelly uh, This was actually not unique at all And that not only did Rob Van Dam do it But also John Cena once did it So Ryan and I are going to start A whole new podcast oh, uh, Why
2: are you taking
4: his side? You're out Darren, he's in Uh what are you going to talk about, long distance running? Well, you know what? We did 100 episodes together, and I had to cover for your stupidity. Oh, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, folks. 100 episodes, and now it, it falls apart. Heel turn. Heel turn.
2: Oh, man. No, you know you know, I love you, Darren. You know I love you. Uh, do I know that? So this is Roman and Strowman, And to add to it, we've got guest referee, Mick Foley. Oh, man, where... are
4: God love big Foley he's been through so much he's he's done a lot for the wrestling business Lord knows why does his hair look like a wig and his facial hair look like stage stage
2: makeup what's happening and he forgot to put his false teeth in and can he please just one time in his career? Wear an actual referee just shirt.
4: Wear, uh, you, you. look like a you look like a fan who is dressed up
2: as McFoley. He, he did. That's he looks like. To... Someone cosplaying as McFoley. You don't ever want to look, look like you're cosplaying yourself, <laughs> because if you do, that then, means you don't look right. <laughs> if, if you look like you're cosplaying yourself, then you just playing yourself. Oh, oh, that, oh. <laughs> Holla. that is that is unfortunate. That is very unfortunate. And Mick, other than he still looks like a million dollars in the in the in the in the tum tum. He's kept the weight off. He, he is lost, lean and which mean. Is great, he which is great. fit and trim. So like his pants, I've never seen pants fit Mick Foley that well. Well, they're not sweatpants, for one. For, there you go. Okay, but that's stupid. Spray-painted referee shirt. Stop doing it. Well, speaking of, of having McFoley Foley as a referee,
4: what was with that first uh, pinfall? That, oh was three count. Was three count. that was a three-count. It was a three-count. That was a three-count, and the audience booed because that
2: was a fucking
4: three-count.
2: And Mick Foley, who, I mean, no, Mick Foley is the master of kayfabe and the master of not breaking character. Mick is so aware... That his hand firmly hit the mat for a three count. That like while he's trying to tell Braun two count, two count, he he is grinning from ear to ear, going like literally half his brain is saying all right tell Braun it's a two count. The other half of his brain is telling the other half you fucked up, you fucked up. Right, right, right. I'm sure Vince was like, yeah, yeah. My empire is crumbling! <laughs> for those of you who have seen Kids in the Hall Brain Candy. Oh, uh, that's for you. <laughs> yeah, the match should have ended really early on with Mick Foley's inadvertent three count, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It keeps The coming. match continues. I will go ahead and say the match is stolen from the competitors. We're supposed to be focused on the Universal Champion, Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman Mr. Money in the Bank the monster in the bank whatever get these hands that's what we're looking at somebody's gonna get these hands we're inside of a big red cage this is designed this has endured through history the pay-per-view has taken its name from the concept of of a cage match which keeps people out keeps people not involved well they damn sure don't get in but, Ziggler, McIntyre, Ambrose, Rollins, they're all out and they're climbing on the cage. Another, another reason why I don't
4: like the random insertion show, the uh, This Country Paid Us a Lot of Money show, is now Hell in the Cell's ending is only telling the story leading up to this Australian show. Because this is, the, the main event's going to be these two teams going at it. The Shield versus Ziggler, McIntyre, and Strowman. So this is just, oh, well, let's instead of this is the end of the story, oh, this is a continuation. See how the story ends. Tune in next month, folks, for a bullshit show that we got paid <laughs> a lot of money for. Um, so the, the, there's that. So yeah, like you said, it becomes that. McIntyre, Ziggler, Ambrose, Rollins are all on top of the cage Doing things you could not pay me money to do Like take bumps on the rickety ass top of
2: the hell in the cell At one time, Drew McIntyre and his gigantic muscly self Takes a hard, flat back bump on the middle Loosest part of that roof Of that chain link roof And... Part of my brain finished what was happening, <laughs> which was Drew McIntyre crashing through like Mick Foley 20 years ago. Right. And hitting that canvas and nearly killing himself. For a minute
4: there, I thought that's what this was. That's why you want Mick Foley there to be like, oh, it
2: happened again. I told him. It changes you. I told Mick.
4: My God. I told Mick. I told it. I made Vince. I, <laughs> I got to go. Um, oh, I like this. I figured there'd be some kind of bump off the cage, and there was, where Ziggler and Rollins come down to about the halfway point of the cage, and they're battling, and it's very unbelievable, like, you know, headbutting against the cage and stuff like that, and they both kind of, like, sloppily just fall onto the announcer's table, and the audience didn't pop for to go, like, you know, holy shit, or this is awesome, it was just, uh, okay. You know what they did
2: pop for? Oh. When Brock Lesnar's music hit. You would not expect Brock Lesnar to show up. Yeah, I didn't expect him to show up. And even if I did, would not have expected this pop. No. This is the Brock Lesnar who, one month ago, people wanted his head. (gasps) for not appearing, not defending the Universal title, and yet here we are. What a difference a month makes when he comes out unadvertised, not carrying a title... Looking about 10 pounds lighter just yeah. than 30 days ago, and sporting that wicked, made out of bl- strawberry blonde ice beard of his, <laughs> to see him come out to his music and that crowd. Biggest pop of the night is Brock Les- Not even Brock Lesnar. Biggest pop of the night, Brock Lesnar's music.
4: Right, right. A
2: full 10, 12 seconds before Brock comes uh, out of Gorilla. People are losing their minds for his music. Because I thought,
4: I mean, I, I I know I did. I won't speak for all of you out there, but I, I know that I thought that since Lesnar dropped the title, he's moving on to UFC, WWE's in his rear view, he did the favors, he dropped the belt. Next thing for Brock Lesnar, he's gone. But no, for him to show up and get involved in the main event and rip the, rip the Hell in the Cell door off like Kane did... And the first Hell Cell match against uh, Taker and uh, Shawn Michaels, I thought I immediately went back to that in my brain. Um, Lester comes in, hits the F five on both uh, Strowman and on Reigns, and it's a no contest. All right, that's it. There is no winner. Um, well, also real quick, what I thought was funny is all these out out of the Hell the Cell shenanigans are going on for what seems like forever. Like it seems like it goes on for as long as the match. That was inside
2: the cage. Went on. It's like a, it's like a dog fight. And the whole time, airplanes. It feels like everything's happening in the air. Oh yeah, yeah. Around and, and above. And and and
4: the whole time, Reigns and Strowman are just laying down in the ring the whole time. And it's like, why are they just incapacitated this entire time? Um, so yeah, the, no contest, no winner. Roman retains. We we thought
2: he would, right? Uh well, we thought he would. So, does that mean we... He still has the belt. Remember, we talked about the rules of head-to-head. Head-to-head. Head. Changing. But we didn't change them. We, we said we had to do him. it. Well, we got stuff to do. We have jobs, Darren. We have jobs. There's a lot going on.
4: But there always is, though, isn't there? <laughs> there. A lot going on. This is true.
2: Uh, we we both knew that Strummer would not leave with the title, though, right? Correct. Okay. Uh, so, oh, I finish with either a record of five and three, or since we didn't change the rules, four and four. You were looking at a possible head to head to head results being six and two, but because we didn't change the rules, you're five and three. Boo. So I say we hereby change the rules. Yay! Does that, that mean an extra win? Not not for this one. Ne- Aww, starting next time. Oh, that's no so good. Starting for the next. Network special they do in a different country. Uh, it could be any time. They can announce one at any moment. It could be any moment. Hey, hey, Ireland wants us. So well, let's cram it in. Uh... Oh, oh yeah, of course. You <laughs> want cram it in before Survivor Series? Well, there's nowhere to do it. The that morning, same morning of Survivor Series. Steve Austin and The Rock and The Undertaker triple threat Royal Rumble match. What? That's not... Oh, whatever, that's what they're paying us for. Just make it happen. What they need to pay them for is to have Hogan, Hall, and Nash come out as the NWO. Oh, my
4: God. Can Hogan move?
2: You're definitely not... Can Hall move? They can.
4: Can Nash move? But you're
2: not going to do that in a current storyline or Raw or SmackDown. They clearly, these other countries who are putting on these huge stadium shows, they want the nostalgia. They want the old school. That's where you... That's where you trot out the NWO. Wrestling
4: is nostalgia.
2: I know. Darren. That's where you trot out the NWO.
4: That's where you I have think Sting vs. Taker. That's it. I I am going to fund. I'm going to do a, a Kickstarter. Or a GoFundMe. Whatever whatever makes the most money. Um, and the main event is going to be Sting vs. The Undertaker. And every wrestling fan is going to thank me. Before it happens. And after it happens. Because it's horrible. Because they're both really
2: old. They're going to hate me. But they'll thank me first, Darren, and that's all that matters. Are you telling me that you're going to talk about a dream match with people who are out of their prime, and you, you, Perry, yeah. are not going to make a Time Machine reference? <laughs> <laughs> Would you, you go and you get somebody, quote-unquote, in their prime? Raven in their prime? Stop <laughs> saying Raven in his prime. Stop saying <laughs> Raven in his prime. I want I want uh former WCW champion David Arquette in his prime. Uh versus David Arquette now? Versus David Arquette now would wipe the mat with David Arquette in his prime. Well,
4: probably. He's had a lot more experience now, so yes.
2: And he has a lot more tattoos now. That's true. And he has a lot more being divorced from Courtney Cox. Oh wow. But they're like super popular. they're like Bruce and Demi, aren't they? They like probably still actually live together. Like David Arquette probably lives in Courtney Cox's, like, pool house or, like, mother-in-law suite. I, I, I'm
4: thinking that there are uh, young, hashtag dear listeners, who don't
2: even know who Demi Moore is. Uh, that's their loss because she's a beautiful woman. She Is, and, she, is she, though? What? Are you, Hi, what? Whoa, 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 whoa. Time Machine, Demi Moore in her prime. See, this <laughs> is not... Why did I even mention the Time Machine. Yes, Demi Moore in her prime. My point is, everyone's better in their prime, is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, that's why it's called their prime. I know, Darren. But there's no taking away from how beautiful Demi Moore is today. Is there? I'm kidding, Darren. You... Calm down. <gasps> did you?
4: Did Listerous, you lose? Listerous, he your is so eyes. upset right now. He is so upset. He's he's doing
2: these big hand gestures. These grand hand gestures. I mean, I might as well be in a Broadway musical with the hand gestures as big as they are. They are pretty big. I mean. He's emoting, folks. He is emoting. Okay. I'm sick. <laughs> I'm sick of it. <laughs> What's that? Never mind. Okay. Well, that's a good start. Um, so I, was, I was trying to think of that chick, the Broadway chick, who has the squeaky voice. What's her name? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, shit. It's a weird name.
4: Had, had you not asked me, I would have known. It, it's one of those. Uh, uh, tiny Blonde? Uh, yeah, lady? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Chenoweth? Yes, Kristen, Kristen Chenoweth. Chenoweth? Oh, wow, where did you pull that one from? Oh, I don't know. Thank God. <laughs> Glad I pulled it out on a wrestling podcast, though. I uh... <laughs> Not that I know about Broadway musicals, folks.
2: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, it was funny, actually. Uh, also, in addition to Ryan Kelly, uh, dear listener, uh, not, not so dear listener, um, <laughs> correcting me as usual, I, I got to point out, uh, dear listener Jared Hill, Uh-oh. Uh, who actually let me know today that when we were talking about the woman who sewed the flag, and I couldn't remember, <laughs> he, he said he almost lost his voice screaming... At his radio, and he was he had his plugged into auxiliary in his car. Driving around, driving his daughter, <laughs> driving his daughter to school, almost lost his voice screaming Betsy Ross uh, at his radio. So
4: uh well, and I made several references in the last episode that there will be listeners screaming at their radios or whatever multiple times throughout the episode. I'm sure a lot of our listeners listen to our episode. Just, just to basically, it's like watching Jeopardy and someone doesn't know and it's like,
2: you idiot, $200 is on the line. (laughs) Uh, That's actually true. Did you manage to, uh, did you take the time to Google judo rules and and judo, judo No, no, I did not. I I forgot. I got to remember to do that this week. Okay. Uh, maybe we'll let you know that about on episode, we'll let you know all about that on episode 101! When we turn the page, we're now in the triple digits, Darren with number 100. Ooh. I, I want I hope there's no like Y2K virus. Like we forgot how to program a triple digits for uh podcast episodes. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Nuclear missiles are are shooting in their aim. It's episode zero zero oh. Uh so that was Home in the Cell. It was. We learned a lot. Um, we learned who Kristen Chenoweth was. We learned who Kristen Chenoweth was. We learned who Demi. Moore. We well, we we knew who Demi Moore was. We taught who Demi Moore was. We taught it. Well, sort of. We said it. Someone
4: who may or may not look good now. She does. But did especially look good back in the day. Okay, fair enough. Well, that's that for uh, WWE's Hell in the Cell. One at the end. Of, at the end of all things, it's one big commercial for the Australian show. Uh, that's that's interesting. So that's that, and uh, a lot of stories. Speaking of stories being told of the world of wrestling, Darren Beasley, my co host your second favorite person in the land of
2: podcasts, folks.
4: I'm your who's first, your first? am uh, your first. Oh, uh,
2: okay. I thought maybe it was uh, Kristen Chenoweth.
4: It was well, yeah. Or maybe
2: Adam Carolla. <laughs> it could be. Or those guys from last podcast on the left. All right, all
4: right, stop it. Anyway, uh, Darren Beasley has teased, since episode one, potentially, uh, a certain story about a certain wrestler by the name of Glacier. And ladies and gentlemen, on this episode, on this very special episode, this 100th installment of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, Darren Beasley
2: will now tell this story. All I'm going to say is blood runs cold. Okay, that's not all I'm going to say. I got a lot more to say.
6: Quack, quack, quack. Quack. I'm Rob Kiljoy. I'm Lance Lude. And I'm Coach
2: Mikey. And we are the, the Ugly Ducklings. Quack. And we want to wish you a very ducky and happy 100th episode. It's going whole riffin' show, Quack. You're bringing us back, right? Yeah. When are we going back? When are we coming oh, back, back. Yeah. yeah, bring us back off. Right, on. Now. Yeah, back right on. now. Right now. We're and and we'll see so you our show. You're a guest on, on
5: oh, that's Welcome. right. On Welcome show. to the
2: Duck Pond. When are we going to have the Quack Flow show yet? Right. No, absolutely. Any. Any Quack. Hey, ugly ducklings. That was um, that was tough. That was tough to get that spot uh, to, to get that recorded. Uh, I, I definitely got us locked in for our guest spot on the on the duck pond. Hey, I'll take it for sure. Yeah, and don't and don't worry, guys. We'll have you back
4: on our show very very soon. We promise. Uh, always love hearing from you guys. Always love watching
2: them wrestle. Who doesn't? Ugly ducklings are. Uh, Probably the hottest tag team in indie wrestling. We mean attractive. Good looking. Uh, absolutely. That's, that's, <laughs> the only, that's the only way I use that word. Also, they can wrestle. Sure. I mean, uh, Coach Mikey, this plop is for you, bud.
4: <laughs> Very nice. So, we love the Ducks. We love Coach Mikey. Unfortunately, sometimes at wrestling shows, things don't always go so well. Uh, unfortunately, we must discuss someone that we are not terribly fond of. Now, we did have an entire episode of our show dedicated to, uh, an argument, uh, (laughs) that was between us and, uh, Paul Lazenby and, uh, the melted candle of Don Callis. Oh my god! That is currently Don Callis. Um, anyway... (laughs) Uh, and, and they had their opinions on us uh, and on an interview we had with uh, John Brink, who also dropped by on the show. Thank you, John. Um, so th- that all happened, that was all whatever. This is something else. This is something uh, that Darren has been wanting to talk about on the show for a very, very long time, and we wanted to save it for the 100th episode, because we we wanted to get, like, a decent following up and, and drop this one. Now, it's one thing to, to dislike a wrestler because, like, oh... I don't like the way that guy looks, or, you know, the way that guy wrestles. In this particular situation, this is an actual run-in Darren had with a certain wrestler named Glacier. Now, for those who do not know who Glacier was, or is, he still wrestles on, on indie shows. Um, most famously, right, was a guy who wrestled for WCW uh, back in 96, 97, Around that time, around the time of the NWO, so I don't know why they thought this guy would be some kind of hot commodity.
2: Well, I'll tell you why. Because Big Bubba needed an opponent, uh, <laughs> as anybody might remember. While the Dungeon of Doom was very concerned about the brand new New World Order, right? Big Bubba snatched the microphone away to say, "I know that all of y'all are concerned about the New World Order, but I tell you who I'm concerned about, and that's Glacier." <laughs> And um, that was uh, right, that's how it all began.
4: Now uh, a lot of the fans of Nitro from back in the day, and, and I guess Thunder, Thunder, Thunder would have been around by then. Um, remember the endless, endless promos for Glacier, which were I think were just uh, Mortal Kombat commercials, basically Mortal Kombat commercials okay. at that time. And, and there's there's no way there, there's no way someone designed the Glacier outfit and didn't say like it's kind of like Sub Zero for Mortal Kombat. I mean because his name is fucking Glacier, and he's he's a a karate guy for fuck's sake. Um, so that, that that's the thing. I, I was ever a fan of Glacier as a wrestler. I, I, I will say that. Not a fan of him as a person after hearing this story from Darren, uh, because uh, Darren had a run in with Glacier, uh, the man uh, behind Glacier, if you will, Ray Lloyd. Um, and and here here is what happened. All
2: right. Let me just preface this by saying. I am not in the business of burying individuals. Um, it, it, we've had opportunities to do it. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've had 99 previous episodes with no restrictions on length or content. We do as we please on the whole Ref Show. But we did vow from the very start that we would call it right down the middle. Believe it or not, we are not
4: a mean-spirited podcast. We're not. This is we not... give
2: credit where credit's due. All right. Right. Not only are we not mean-spirited, we don't stoke the fire. We don't stir the pot. If somebody has something to say, we give them the platform to do so. Sure. But we're not egging people on. No. And we are not piggybacking on controversy. So, I will say, whatever is controversial about what I'm about to say is purely the fault of those involved. Nothing is untrue. Nothing is designed to defame. Nevertheless, I am a grown man who also doesn't believe in the carny politics of wrestling. I'm a lifelong fan of wrestling. I am one half of The Whole Refn Show, a podcast dedicated to celebrating the craft, the art, the sport, the industry of wrestling. And therefore, I am not trying to pick apart what the business is I will, however, never hesitate to call out the bad parts of what the business is or what the business was, because I don't like those carny aspects. I don't like the hucksterism. I don't like the term mark. Therefore, I don't like that backstage bully behavior that has allowed certain people to do as they damn well pleased For far too long in the business of professional wrestling. So, let me set the stage. It's 2006. I have just returned from living in Los Angeles. Someone in my town has pumped me up as a successful Hollywood producer. (laughs) To one individual, a local promoter, who we've talked about before. A man by the name of Jody Peterman. And I in no way blame Jody Peterman for anything that is about to follow. In fact, I only have thanks for him for giving me the opportunity that he did. Jody Peterman, working with the newly resurrected or version of the AWA that existed around that time, and Steve Carino, there was an AWA World One South presence in uh, South Georgia. Jody Peterman, buying into the hype of whoever I was, (laughs) asked me to come help him, quote-unquote, produce his wrestling product. Produce turned into write, turned into book, and before long, I was joined by my friend Steve Ekstrom, and the pair of us were pretty much handed the book for this indie promotion. I say pretty much because Jody wanted it kept more or less under wraps that he was doing so. He said he would stand by us. Nevertheless, it was probably for the best that the boys, as it were, felt as though the man signing the checks was still also calling the shots. When in reality, it was myself and Steve Ekstrom who were putting together these cards. And we did so for a few months. We thought we could turn what was a pretty good selling house, a decent wrestling promotion, we thought we could turn that crowd in that pretty excellent venue and Jody's money into something that would really be something to see. There were certain connections that Jody had that allowed us to do that. I thought the Steve Carino connection was enormous. There was also a pipeline to people who were still uh, they were veterans at the time, but were, were still highly credible over a decade ago. People like Tully Blanchard, Brian Lee, uh, and other headliners uh, from the, from years past who could still go. Um, I, I, for once, saw a Tully Blanchard-Steve Carino match that was in Valdosta, Georgia, and was just as good as any ECW match between Steve Carino and Dusty Rhodes. So... This promotion had heart, it had potential, um, and it had talent. Uh, I know that as we heard long, long, long ago when we had Jody Peterman on the whole reference show, uh, there was this idea that there was a lot of talent that could be had, a lot of talent that we didn't even realize would go on to be something special like AJ Styles, like Jay Lethal. Um, even who are these people? Uh, even Byron Saxton. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is during uh, Dustin Rhodes' sort of dark period. But because of that, he wasn't working for Vince. He he worked for us. That was a bonus for me. I hated to see the condition he was in sometimes, but he showed up ready to work. He wrestled his ass off, and uh, he wrestled his gold dust and i thought how <laughs> probably probably illegally probably illegally but yeah, yeah. um i envisioned my i envisioned a match 6 months away for the main event for the championship of this organization being a match between two of my favorite wrestlers of all time gold and raven we got raven's information we were in contact with him we had already talked at great length with dustin uh and we were putting together uh, a pretty good top of the card. The mid card was looking even better with a future ROH standout John Davis, with indie star Jack Manley. We had uh, the makings of what we're going to be um, like, like, like really strong young indie talent. And this is 2006. We're not talking about indie wrestling on fire yet, right? And yet we knew. The talent that we could see in people like Jack Manley and John Davis, and We had big plans. Big plans. Especially as they were going to mix it up with Jay Lethal. And could we get AJ Styles back at this time, who was heavily involved with TNA? Suffice it to say, who was the champion? What was the roadblock? Well, it wasn't roadblock. It it was ro- you <laughs> sure roadblock was not the roadblock? It was not WCW's roadblock that was the roadblock. In fact, it was WCW, WCW's own Glacier. Now, Glacier actually shares a hometown with us, with the whole reference show. I had known of Ray Lloyd most of my life. In fact, a good friend of mine, his mother, is good friends with Ray Lloyd. You can't hear a lot of people say bad things about this man. In fact, it infuriates me to this day that 9 out of 10 people will have fantastic things to say about glacier. <laughs> but perhaps they were never He is in the not p- a nice guy. Perhaps they were never in the position that I was. I was in the difficult position of being told by a promoter that I was in charge of his book. I was also in the exact same pot and this is like A boiling pot of water, mind you. (laughs) That made me appear powerless in front of a locker room of wrestlers. People who had been on the top that were on their way down. People at the bottom who were on their way up. And all points in between. All of this leads to a night in which I am going to put the first debt in the Glacier Mystique. I'm not taking the belt off of him. I'm just beginning the program that will ultimately lead to Goldust taking the belt away from him. There's a man involved named the Syrian Slicer. There's this whole thing, and we're going to book this, 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 this long program that's not going to shit all over Glacier. I was not there to, to, to rain on Glacier's parade. I was not there to undo his career. I wasn't going to take him off the program entirely, but that belt needed to move. He was holding it hostage, to be perfectly honest. And I had been empowered to do so. I had ha- I had handed sheet after sheet after sheet of plans for the next six months about where these storylines were going, and it was going to be beautifully intertwined. There are wrestlers out there, and I won't name names. There are wrestlers out there right now, indie wrestlers that we even sometimes cross paths with at Fest Wrestling, who were in plans that I wrote for them 12 years ago (laughs) that never saw the light of day because of Glacier. Now, I'm not saying those unnamed people need to blame Glacier for a lost opportunity. I'm not saying that I was handing out golden tickets I'm not Willy Wonka. I'm not Vince McMahon. But I was building a brand, and we never got to see it. Because this fateful night, before the show, pretty much everybody knew the card. But I was going over some of the particulars of the card. Unfortunately, and this is actually very tragic, um, we're standing around. I was actually watching SoCalVal. Uh MS Fred, Fred of the Show. Yes. MSL of uh MLW fame. Of course. And the living legend himself, Larry Zabisco, <laughs> was watching them all work out in the ring. They were doing some tumbles. Larry was, you know, teaching SoCal Val, uh, you know, giving her some some tips on, oh, please, please don't bump right on your shoulder. You're gonna throw that thing right out of socket, you know. And, uh, you want to you want to fall on your back. <laughs> That's why you want to do it. The 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 upper back. It's funny. The advice that Larry Zabisco gave so Calval was very different than the advice he gave me. Larry Zabisco's advice to me was simply, don't get married. Don't ever get married. It's not bad advice. It's not bad advice. He's he, he's a the living of, legend for a reason. The only reason I'm not married. The <laughs> only reason is because Larry Zabisco told me not to. Okay. Okay. So I'm I'm standing there one minute watching these people work out in the ring. We're still a couple hours away from showtime. Plenty of time to go over the particulars. Unfortunately, a man who I thought that I recognized uh, comes through the back door and approaches uh, Steve Ekstrom. And uh, that's when I realized it was Steve's uncle who was delivering the terrible news that Steve's grandmother had just passed away. Obviously a bad situation. Stuff like that really... Uh, I've seen a lot of death in, in my days. Um, it's it's never timely. Death happens in the strangest and worst times, and uh, but I've never been in that weird situation before. You know, you hear those stories. You're watching Monday Night Football, and you hear about the quarterback of who, the Bengals or the you know the Vikings or something, and you hear that their father passed away today, and you're like, wow. You know, I always I always wonder. How do you go do that? How do you go care about playing a football game when you know that as soon as it's over, you're going to shower, go to the airport because your parents, you know, one of your parents has passed? So uh, what that meant for Ekstrom on that night was he hightailed it with his uncle. I understand. That left me all by myself, however. Right. It left me now even closer to bell time. And I found myself in the locker room. I needed desperately to talk to about three different individuals. Jack Manley was one of them. Glacier was one of them. Um, I thought I would kill two birds with one stone and have a nice uh, little uh, powwow sort of in the center of the locker room. There were plenty of people that I didn't need to talk to and they were lacing up their boots, doing, doing whatever. But I'm standing there. I'm standing face to face with Glacier and I'm a big guy. The Glacier's probably got an inch or two on me, height-wise. Um, and, uh, he, you know, he, he's a muscular guy. He's kept himself in phenomenal shape. You know, he was, he's not a young man now. He wasn't a young man 12 years ago, but he was in phenomenal shape. So, very quickly, uh, Glacier, a fairly big guy,
4: uh, a muscly dude also a legit martial artist he, he is. is he he was sold as a martial artist as as glacier that's kind of one of the one of the big draws from him uh, because ninjas and stuff were this is probably the end of the ninja craze of, of the late 80s early 90s um, so so very threatening if if he actually were to to you know, challenge someone in a,
2: in a real fight. Sure, absolutely. Also, so it, it
4: makes him more uh, more uh, imposing is what I'm trying to say.
2: Uh, and he absolutely was. So you can't take that away from him. He was also a, a college football player. Right. I mean, that, that that's not an easy accomplishment. Jim Ross never got a chance to say that.
4: <laughs> he never got a chance to say uh, where uh, we're, we're Glacier played football.
2: Uh, man, it's too bad Ed Ferrara as barbecue never got the opportunity to call a Glacier match and he could have done it. <laughs> No, but there I was standing face-to-face with Glacier. I'm thinking everything is on the level. I'm thinking I can talk to this guy uh, in a professional manner about professional business. It's a business. It's right. the wrestling business. Right. Um, so he's directly in front of me. Uh, directly to my left, sort of elbow-to-elbow, is SoCal Val. Um, in front of the show. <laughs> immediately to her left is... Uh, Kind of a newcomer to wrestling at that time. His name, like I said earlier a couple of times, is Jack Manley. Uh, Now, he's he's made a name for himself in indie wrestling since then. At the time, he was residing in Alaska, which I had no idea how he was taking bookings with us in South Georgia. That Alaska territory is a little... Little, 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 him and the Yeti, basically, yeah. that's
5: it.
2: <laughs> Ron Reese, the Yeti? Ron Reese, the Yeti. Um, and then, to my right, seated, um, <laughs> is Axe of Demolition. <laughs> now, Axe <laughs> is, uh, if, if Glacier was not a young man, uh, on that evening, Axe certainly was not. Right. Uh... And, I, and I'm not disparaging Axe, but it was one of the rarer sights uh, of my life to see Axe in his advanced age uh, sitting in his underpants. Of course. Um, with his demolition makeup on. I mean, he, he wrestles in like... In like- his gear is
4: basically underwear anyway. Well, sure, but so, there's so a difference. What's the difference? They're, they're
5: Believe me. Him,
2: him wearing that or wearing like a Speedo to go swimming in, it's the same thing. But it, You'd think it would be, but it's not. Okay. okay. Because when it's white cotton and it's semi-transparent. <laughs> do paint a picture for our audience. I, I'm just saying. And especially not for me.
4: Okay, I get it. Move on. And no knee pads, no oh boots. Oh, God, oh, God. So if you're wearing his underwear but with
2: knee pads and boots, I'm kind of like, Okay. Oh, he's a wrestler. That's the wrestles in. You take off those knee pads and the boots, it's, a, it's an old man in his underpants. Didn't, didn't meat wrestle in, like, underwear-esque? Right. They were wrestling trunks, but because they looked like underwear, they might as well have been underwear, and for some reason, that made it not good. It took us 100 episodes to reference meat. Wow. Oh, meat. Anyway. Anyway, I'm sorry I got totally lost on Planet Stasiak. Um... Uh, Axe is sitting there, and sitting next to him is his grandson,
5: mm-hmm.
2: who's playing his uh, Nintendo DS. <laughs> That's a snapshot in and of itself. If the story ended there, it would be a fun story. It would be the freeze frame at the end of the sitcom, right? This is the definition of a Motley crew: right, Me, So Calval, Jack Manley, Glacier, Axe of Demolition in his underpants, and his grandson playing a Nintendo. DS. I'm talking very fast. Uh, I'm talking very fast at this moment. I'm also talking very fast here uh, on this night to Glacier and to Jack Manley saying, this is what's going to happen. We got to do this. Hey Val, what about this? This da 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 And Glacier, you're going to do this and then the Slicer's going to come out and then Dustin's going to come out and we're going to do this. And he said, whoa, 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 whoa. All right. I'm from South Georgia. I was a football player myself. I was coached by some of the toughest, roughest, gruffest, southern athletic coach men that have ever lived. I know what's coming when you hear, whoa, 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 whoa. Typically, it's followed by, hold up there, bud. Or something to that effect. Uh, I don't believe Glacier said, hold up there, bud. But after a steady stream of whoa, 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 woes, I got a, who in the hell do you think you are? Uh, To which I said, excuse me? Because I was not in, I was truly blindsided. Like I said, truly blindsided because this to me was a work environment I had been, I, I was currently at that time also managing uh, an art gallery in a French market. I had managed things before. I know what it's like to be a manager. And I felt that should be no different. If I'm the booker, I'm in charge of these scenarios. So, you know, very much like Winston Wolfe, you know, excuse me uh, if I am curt, excuse me, uh, but, you know, pretty please. Right. Do the job. Put sugar on top. Kind exactly. The fucking car. Right. Exactly. Do the job. Uh, and, I, and again, remember, I'm not even asking on this night. I'm not even asking Alicia to do the job. I'm just asking them to go along with the fucking script.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: So I get a whoa, whoa, whoa. Who the hell do you think you are? I say, excuse me. But actually, I say it very politely. Excuse me. <laughs> sort of dumbfounded. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get a. Who the hell do you think you are? You don't tell me what to do. And I said, well, actually, I have been put in this position. This has already been agreed upon. I reminded him that he had sat across the table from me not 30 days earlier At a Locos restaurant, (laughs) we shared a basket of buffalo wings and went over this very set of booked matches and programs that were to come. And I got nothing but agreement at that time. But here I am on this night, all of a sudden I'm by myself. Steve Ekstrom's not around. Jody Peterman's not around. Glacier, as the champion, I guess considers himself the king of the locker room. So now he's going to have his own little power trip over the Booker Man. You know, and I'm not so proud to, to put myself, I'm not calling myself that. I'm, I'm saying that's what, if Glacier saw things like the Terminator, then everything is red, it would say somewhere on there, it would focus on me and say, Booker Man, terminate. <laughs> Target Booker Man. Right. Eliminate. <laughs> uh, and that's pretty much the path he set himself on at that point. He, After telling me that you don't tell me what to do, and I then retorted, actually, I am here to tell you what to do. Um, this is something we've already agreed upon. This is the direction we're going. This is the direction the company is going. He said, I'm going to ask you again. Who in the hell are you? You are no one. What have you done in this business? You're as green as grass, son, and I don't take orders from you. And he turned around and he walked away. Well, I was feeling uh, about one centimeter tall because not only had he completely insulted me and emasculated me, But he left me standing there with Val and with Jack Manley, and I don't know what Val's opinion of me was all those years ago, but I know that Manley and I had established a very good rapport. Manley was one of those several wrestlers, I said, that were on the midcard for that promotion that we were emailing daily. I was feeding off his ideas, he was feeding off mine, and several other wrestlers, and All signs were pointing to, we've got cooperation here, we're doing something special, we're moving forward. That's something that I would not see again, honestly, until Fest Wrestling, over a decade later. There we were having our little teeny tiny version of it in Valdosta in 2006, and Glacier was about to send it all to hell in a (laughs) handbasket. Which is a hot place, and he's very cold. (sighs) I, yeah, go figure. He's a glacier. So he marches away. I uh, dis- sort of I, I glance over at Axe, who looks at me like, Now you fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't say that, but that's what his face says. But Axe Ax is very old school, though. So he's like, uh the boys, you know. We don't wanna... Right. We're the boys, you know what I mean? So uh, I decide to uh, leave the locker room because I'm feeling incredibly uncomfortable. I end up in a very narrow hallway talking to John Davis uh, as I, I'm really, I'm, I'm grasping at straws. I was like, how am I supposed to regain control of this card, of this locker room? Uh, how is anyone going to ever respect me after this night? You know, Because it got silent in there. That was not a private conversation. He yelled at me in front of the locker room like I was a child. Like I was his child. Um, It was very humiliating, extremely embarrassing, unnecessary. Um, It made me angry and sad and afraid all at the same time. Uh, It was, uh, wow, it was some incredible fight or flight. Um, I've only felt that level of fight or flight a few other times in my whole life. So while I'm standing there, all of a sudden I, uh, I see Jody Peterman. And Jody uh, tells me I better get out of there. Um, And again, not putting any of this on Jody. Not his fault. Not his doings. But what would end up happening is I walk out into that parking lot, I get in my car, and my relationship with AWA World 1 South Wrestling ended right there. I didn't know it yet. I still thought for a couple days there was a way for me to be back in. But uh, what I didn't realize is when I walked out that door, that was it. What I learned over the ensuing days was just how close I was to being jumped in that parking lot. Glacier had apparently begun rallying a posse that included the... The ultra terrifying Heartbreak Express. <laughs> I believe they're still around. Oh,
4: good. Um, still breaking hearts, unfortunately, for the ladies.
2: And uh, I think they were probably gonna—they are probably gonna try and break something else on this night. Um, wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry.
4: How many expresses existed in the world of wrestling? A lot. There's okay. a lot. Orient, Rock and Roll, mm-hmm. Midnight, Midnight, New and Old. Right. As we discussed earlier. Okay.
2: <laughs> Heartbreak. Yeah. Heartbreak. Okay. Um. Laughable. I, I, I mean, the only way that name is appropriate is ironically, the Heartbreak Express. Um, nevertheless, they—I uh, guess—they were going to be locker room enforcers. Uh, wrestlers court and, and glaciers got the gavel and he was going to drop it on my head. And uh, so, yeah, I learned that—that's exactly what would ha- Was was planning to happen was there was a group of wrestlers that were coming to beat me up. And again, Glacier
4: is already a big guy, a muscly dude, a legit, a legit martial artist, but yet he recruits people to help him beat you up. See, that part of the story, he told it to me originally, immediately was like, a, what? He needed to get other people? Like, he didn't
2: think he alone was enough? Right. Now, granted, I'm a big guy myself. Right. Uh, I'm also a former athlete. And at that time, I was only 25 years old. I was still in uh, in very good shape, so I wasn't, you know, a pencil neck geek. But Glacier probably could have still done me in if he wanted to. Right. I guess he didn't want to get his hands dirty. The problem is he got his reputation dirty. This is the first time in 100 episodes we've had. I've had a microphone sitting in front of me for 100 episodes, and I've not told this story. Right. I've had the internet at my fingertips for a dozen years since this happened. I could have told this story a million times. I could have told it to a million different people. I was never in the business of trying to ruin Glacier the way he was trying to ruin me in one night. Not only remove me from what small position of power I had in his little world, but physically take me out. If only temporarily... Now, what does that say about him as a person? What does that say about him as a team player, as a professional, uh, as an adult? I mean, that is not only unprofessional, unethical, uh, childish, but illegal. You know, these are the actions of a selfish, self-centered fool. These are the actions of a childish, Insecure idiot And and I can safely say that uh, Because I did nothing wrong And I'm doing nothing wrong in saying that I was never putting plans in motion to hurt his career I've made no effort to hurt his career since then Whether it was a career doing stunts on burn notice <laughs> Whether it was continuing <laughs>
5: Whether it was continuing
2: to be uh, the AWA World 1 South champion, whether it was his appearance at All In, good for him. You get to come out with Dusty Rhodes' son and celebrate with DDP when the NWA 10 pounds of gold changes hands in front of the largest indie wrestling crowd ever. Guess what, Glacier? That makes you king of the indies. There you are. Good for you. And who the hell am I? Well, it's someone that had very little success in WCW. He never held any titles that
4: I, I don't remember. Maybe he was a TV champion at some point. I I seriously doubt it. Maybe he, I he know was... he, he
2: sold his gear to Hayashi and became Coach Buzz. Of course, of course. <laughs> I mean,
4: and and again, I I don't even I, I don't even like. It's hard to like really be negative about someone and put someone down, but when you threaten violence against a friend of mine, that's going to change my mind pretty quick. But Glacier, and this is totally being honest, I felt this way again before Darren, this ever, this running ever happened between Darren and he. Glacier was just someone that was just kind of like, uh, we got to waste time. On Nitro with this guy. The only, again, we've said it before on the show, the only cool thing about Glacier was Mortis, Ernest the Cat Miller, and Wrath. Exactly. Everything else around Glacier, all the combatants that, that were signed and characters created to fight Glacier were all way better than Glacier. Way more talented wrestlers than, than Glacier. Um, so, thanks for that, Glacier, I guess. Uh, beyond that, oh man, just absurd... <laughs> zero wrestling ability. Uh, he looked like a fucking Mortal Kombat character. Um, so no, I was never a fan of his and never will be. And uh and not,
2: a, not, not a fan of Bray Lloyd either. Like, well, what an asshole. All right, I mean, and despite all of that, on that night and on future nights, had they come, I was willing to do business with them. I was willing to do at 25 years old what he, at, I don't know, at that time, he must have been 40, 45, was unwilling to do. I was professional enough, cared enough about the business to uh, to factor him into my booking when I could have cared less about him as a character. Right. But I I, I respected him enough, before this night, remember, uh, of course, as a man, to, to do business. Um, and that's not because I'm super special. It's not because I'm the... Best wrestling mind there ever was, but I respected the business enough. I don't care if I was green as grass, Glacier. And you respected him as as Glacier, a guy
4: who was in WCW who had who had a modicum of success. Of
2: course I did. And
4: you're respectful of any other wrestler in that locker room as well, because you're a good human being and and a professional trying to do a job. Did Glacier forget that Booker's book matches? He must have. Okay, maybe had a momentary lapse. And, you know, devil's advocate. Maybe Glacier uh, took a chair shot at some point, and he wasn't himself that night. uh, And forgot uh, what side his bread is buttered on. Uh, So, yeah. Basically, wrestlers are paid to do whatever the promoter, booker, tells them to do. And whatever territory they're wrestling in. Whatever whatever promotion they're wrestling for. And you just do it. It's not like he was WCW Heavyweight Champion. And you walked in as the new guy and said, All right, Glacier, you're dropping the belt to Carl Malone. <laughs> Just kidding. You're dropping, the belt, <laughs> you're dropping the belt to Diamond Dallas Page tonight. And he went, Whoa, 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 I'm the lord of Nitro. I, I understand a bit more like, I can't let this go. I might never get it back. But, I mean, come on. Come
2: on. And, and a, a small indie fed, you know what I mean? Well, I know, but I guess that's where you have to chalk it up to was... He was the champion. He didn't... I mean, he knew me, but he didn't know me, know me. And apparently he didn't like me. So, But my, but my point my point is this. He was jealous of your mustache, Darren. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say that right now. Um, this is my point. This is the overall... This is my takeaway. Because it's been 12 years, right? I don't think about this. I, I rarely think about this. But I will say... At any time I see Glacier, uh, or or Ray Lloyd on my TV screen or in person, I'll occasionally see him from a distance at a Valdosta State Blazers uh, Division Two football game. Is he wearing the full gear? Is he no, fully no. Gimmicked? No, he's in jorts and a T-shirt. Okay, but he still got his wonderful flat top. Yeah, and, uh, great. You know, he and I we sh- we we share an alma mater. We're both. Graduates of Valdosta State University, so we, we find ourselves in certain s- social situations every great now and again. Um, I he has not recognize you. I seriously doubt it. Okay. And I, uh, I, I, hey, I threatened that guy's life once. <laughs> I guess I guess what I what I'm trying what I want to how I want to close this so I don't tie a ribbon around this whole thing. And now that we finally put this out here into the world, um. It's it's similar to the Lazenby situation. There are two sides to every story. There's, there there absolutely is, but there's also right and wrong, and then there's fact and fiction. Right. Um. Much like when we closed the book on the on the Paul Lazenby situation, and I still want to say George Lazenby, yeah. the the second James Bond. Every time I, I I do that, but we've closed the book on the Paul Lazenby thing. Uh, I'm closing the book on the Ray Lloyd thing here. Okay. Because there is no response. I don't care if 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 Glacier hears this. I don't care if he doesn't hear it. I don't care if he just hears about it. There is no defending what he did. I have And there are se- witnesses. Right. I haven't said anything that was untrue. I have not said anything Well, I'm I haven't said anything that's untrue. However a listener, uh, and that listener up to and including Glacier himself, however they want to construe it is their prerogative. But what I've told is a factual account of one evening. This is how it happened. There are multiple eyewitnesses. Somewhere there's a written record of it, because I know that there was an email exchange uh, that went between several of the involved parties uh, at the time that it happened. And I I guess what I'm trying to say is be careful, everyone. Um, We've said it uh, in our uh, promotion of the wonderful atmosphere of fest wrestling. We've said it in our promotion of what people like Cody and the Young Bucks seem to be doing with indie wrestling and wrestling as a whole. Um, We see it a little bit in NXT, and it's what we want for wrestling. It's it's to rail against that old school, good old boy locker room politics system that never made any sense, but was so widely accepted that there was no penetrating it. And there's
4: there's there's never there's never a positive story that came never, out of that. Not never. one. There's never like a, well, it's a good thing they they stiff armed that new guy
2: because otherwise you know. Right. What I mean? Every one of those stories is someone got hurt. Someone lost their job. Someone, someone someone who deserved to be champion never got the accolades of being champion. Right. Someone's bag was shit in, right? We're not talking about ribs. We're talking about dirty business. Right. We're talking about like mafioso kind of crap. Gestapo bullshit. You know, we're yeah. talking about carny hucksterism.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, that's about the fourth time the, that phrase has been uttered on this episode Between uh, All of the various topics We've, we've covered today But uh, You know I'm not I, I don't want to end this On a down note This is such a Celebratory 100th episode I want to say That uh, Thank you Glacier Thank you for giving me A story That is even better When I'm drunk It's, I, it's even more fun to tell When I've had a few drinks <laughs> um, but Aren't all stories better? When the teller is uh is is a few sheets to the wind. Is that a show we're developing now? Drunk wrestling history? <laughs> well, that'd be a good show. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Glacier. Uh thank you for giving me the opportunity to see uh who you are as a man. Uh maybe I'm that one out of ten people who's seen your true colors. Mm. Maybe everyone else has seen uh the, the the act. You know, and maybe that's uh Maybe that's where all your talent went is to your phoniness as a person Uh, because you certainly didn't put a lot of effort into playing a character known as Glacier. Um, But be that as it may, um, I am a person who has burned more than a few bridges. I'm a person who has burned more than a few bridges. Um, I've kamikazed a few bridges. Um, At one time, that was just my style. I've ruffled some feathers uh, but in this situation, I know that I was, I was right. Uh, I, and I was wronged and, uh, it, it, be that as it may, let it be, c'est la vie, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. Uh, this may be my legacy in wrestling as one half of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. Uh, but I wouldn't have it any other way. And that is the glacier story. That is a great story, uh, and a true story. It's
4: the second time I've ever heard it, and it uh, it's just as good as the first time I ever heard it. Yeah, I mean, I guess the moral of the story is don't be an asshole, uh, and don't believe your own hype, and uh, it's, it's sad. I mean, it sucks. I wish we had a, a positive thing to say about the guy instead of this negative thing, but he, no one to blame but himself on that one. I mean, we we lumped in the whole Paul Lazenby thing and Don Callis thing, and I don't put that in the same boat. They didn't threaten violence. Don Callis didn't even give a shit what Lazenby was talking about on the episode. He was probably preoccupied with something else. I I, I don't really have ill will against Don Callis. I don't appreciate being, you know, the the wave off or whatever. Uh, Lazenby, I didn't know who he was going into the whole situation. Now I know who he is. So I'm so not very impressed. But... Uh Lazenby at least handled the situation the right way where he simply, you know, revisited the situation on, on and, and and gave his side uh, just a, a quick recap of, of the situation as far as he was concerned. And he actually I mean it was it was condescending, but in the off chance that it wasn't meant to be condescending, we took it the wrong way. It was pretty much condescending. Um he he, he addressed the situation with us in, in our interview with John Bring on his show, the right way. Um, so I don't put him in the same boat. I, I, will, I will not put Lazenby and Callus in that same boat with Glacier. Oh, I'm not either. I
2: Yeah, sure. No, I, no, 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 I I no, it. no but, it. It, but it all ties
4: together. It all ties together with, you know, good old boy bullshit, uh, that old school mentality protecting a wrestling business that all but doesn't exist anymore. I, I will never understand that. And, and we've had these fucking amazing... Awesome wrestlers and you know wrestling personalities on our show. On this very episode. And you, we've read the list already of everyone who's ever been on the show. And helped out and given their time and talked to us. Even if we were new. Or if we were marks. Or if we were just you know really big fans of the business or whatever. It, it's, it's not always a great situation. There are people that we wanted to have on the show. That it didn't work out. Either they wanted money. And, and that's fine. The wrestling world, it's a business. I totally get that. And we just we just didn't feel right about paying people to be on our show. We didn't feel that was right because we had plenty of awesome people who would do it for free just because they wanted to talk about wrestling and have a good time. And that's what this show is. Um, and, you know, some folks, uh, sometimes the internet <laughs> doesn't cooperate and you can't get the interview with the tag team. Uh, shout out to Roscoe Lisa on the uh, the interview that never was. Um, And we're looking forward to to more awesome people and, and, you know, talking to more fucking awesome people and bringing them on our show and hearing their life story and hearing them talk about wrestling and their experiences in wrestling. And and we're probably going to run into some more assholes. We're probably going to be called assholes in other podcasts. And, hey, man, we're 100 episodes in and so far
2: so good. I'm looking forward to the next 100 with you, my friend. Oh, man, I, you know, you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, this, it's been a special 100 episodes, uh, I would not, uh, change a thing, I would not change a thing about my wrestling fandom, I would not change a thing about my approach as a fan, uh, as a commentator, uh, as a part of the business, uh, from the inside, from the outside, um, and, and peeking through the the curtain. All the various ways in which I have been involved in this insane Sport of Kings, uh, it is truly performance art. It is athleticism. It is, as Effie said, theater in the round. It's a testament to all things human, you know? It, it, we're using our bodies. We're using our minds. We're using our hearts. We're telling stories, and, and we're, we're moving people. And, and that's what wrestling is. And if there are some assholes that uh, don't understand that, and they want to use uh, underhanded tactics to get their way. It wouldn't be the only field. wouldn't be the only profession. Absolutely. That was full of individuals like that. So uh, doesn't mean they don't deserve to be called out. Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that they are entirely unique either. What is unique is all the love uh, that has been given to us for 100 episodes. And it totally emboldens me and I know it does you as well, to do at least a hundred more.
4: Absolutely. A hundred more episodes, 200 more episodes, whatever it takes uh, to spread the word, to spread our word, to spread our love of wrestling. And I can't wait to see who's going to be on the show in the future. But I feel
2: like we're forgetting someone. One hundred episodes. Great job. Real great job. One hundred episodes, and you can't even manage to have one with Leon Scott as a guest. You guys are garbage, but it's an accomplishment regardless. So, maybe by the 200th episode, you can
3: have me on.
2: Oh,
4: yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Leon, Scott, of course. No, no, Leon, we're going to get to you, pal. We promise. Speaking of assholes. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. He's, he's a he's a mean guy,
3: but he's, he's that's
4: just Leon. Uh, Leon Scott, my friend. Very, very talented guy. Uh, we're definitely going to have him on the show eventually. It's just going to happen,
2: man. It's just a scheduling conflicts, baby. Uh, well, I know. I mean, I'd love to have Leon Scott on the show. Leon Scott, quite a character. One half of the Fest Wrestling Tag Team Champions, the leader of Awaken. Oh, that's true. One half of uh, MLW's Death Machines, uh, one of the chief henchmen for Sammy Callahan. Uh, Leon Scott is all over the place right now. Uh, that is, of course, when he's not... Uh, devastating the Avengers in the form of Thanos. <laughs> Cosplayer extraordinaire! But no, Leon... Sacrificed his beard for, oh. the, for his love of
4: cosplay. Uh, uh, that, that's very, very... Uh, that's dedication. That's dedication. Devotion.
2: Now, Leon Scott, despite the fact that you have never been on our show, uh, we do appreciate how you have supported our show. Absolutely. From the very beginning, and though you may be one nasty individual in the ring, we know somewhere... Somewhere underneath all that post-apocalyptic garb, somewhere beneath your Eat the Week patches, and the goggles, and the spiky shoulder pads, there's a heart of gold. There's a heart of maybe silver. Well, let's not say gold. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yes, I can guarantee you we will not go another hundred episodes without having you on, Leon. Absolutely, folks. The future!
4: What does the future hold for the whole ref and show? Which, by the way, folks, in case you don't know by now, is the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. We want to thank one final group of people, folks. Some people that, without them, this show would not be at number 100. We want to thank you, hashtag dear listeners, our faithful, wonderful friends of the show, Our family, our whole and Show family, we want to thank you very much for tuning in to us week after week and listening to what we have to say, what a couple of Marks have to say, about the wacky, wild world of professional
2: wrestling. I thought you were going to thank the Fraggles. No. No. Well, I mean, I just really thought that that's the, the, I thought that was the group you were
4: alluding to. No, 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 no. Now, say say something nice about our fans, would you? Uh, Yes,
2: in all seriousness, uh, as much as I do sincerely uh, appreciate all the hard work of the Fraggles, it is you, dear listeners, who have given us all the inspiration we would ever need. Uh, This is a labor of love. Uh, That's been said before. It will be said again. So we love it. We love the, the sport of kings. But... If not for all of you who've entered the Royal Rumble contest, who have sent us fan art, who have sent DMs, emails, texts, every message we've ever got that... uh, that, (laughs) Telegrams, Pony Express. Any message we ever received that said one of our inside jokes was enough to power us through a hundred episodes. Sure. So... Not that there was any danger the whole rough show was ever going anywhere, but, man, you are always uh, topping off our gas tank and giving us exactly the fuel we need to keep this truck a-rolling. Absolutely. We want to thank
4: you from the bottom of our hearts. Sincere thank you to all of our hashtag dear listeners for joining us for tuning in for the past 100 episodes or whenever, at what point you hopped aboard the train and we're going to see you at episode 101, folks, and beyond. Until then,
2: my name is Perry Smith. And my name is the incredible badass that is Darren Beasley. And we're going to see you next time, folks,
4: on the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Refn Show. So long, folks.
3: Bye bye